You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 659, The Great Valor Yada Yada, part two, Yada Harder. Welcome to episode 659 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I'm Paul French, and today I am, well, I'm Backyard Boy. We spent the whole day in the, uh, in the, in the, in the backyard today. Just, you know, this, this morning was spent, you know, doing the work. And this afternoon was, uh, was spent just enjoying it. And, uh, and the whole family got out there and, uh, and just, Everyone was completely relaxed, doing their thing, and mm. uh, it was it was the way it, you know. It's like I always the way it should be right. Absolutely, I always remember when we first looked at the house, and uh, and um, you know, Jan dragged me out through the backyard, and she's like, "Take a look at this," and she's like, "Can you just imagine what this could be?" And um, and it is uh, it is all that and more. And uh, so it was a, a delightful way to cap off what was a fairly hectic weekend. Otherwise, so ah. yeah. did you get to you? Did you get to use your hammock? Oh yes. Oh, there was ha- <laughs> there was hammocking. Hammocking and, happened. Uh, yes, hammocking happened. <laughs> what about and and the, the trampoline? Trampoline trampoline got used. All of the things. In fact, the, I had to kick the kids out of there um, so that so that we could do the show because uh, they they went out after dinner and uh, and they five uh, more minutes, Dad. Five more minutes. That, uh, totally, totally. Yeah. And uh, and so finally, I said, "Okay, that five minute, that five more minutes was fifteen minutes ago, and I got stuff to do, and I don't need you guys running through here." So uh, yeah, uh, so Go I said, "So I said, what Take you a- need to uh, basically, what you need to do is get off my lawn." Yeah. <laughs> You kids, get off my lawn. Go, go exactly. read some War and Peace. It'll grow on you. Go, go. <laughs> exactly. So there we go. How about you, sir? Ah, everybody. Hi, I'm Darren Noel, and tonight I am It's Raining in my downstairs neighbor's condo. Oh, no. Is it raining men? No. Sadly, no. It was just raining. Apparently, um, my my condo has some really interesting plumbing <laughs> for for lack of a better word yeah and apparently when either myself or my next door neighbor ran the washing machine his closet ceiling fell in oops and since we are tied into the same pipe we don't know who did it so we both get to share our uh cost of the damages downstairs oh yeah yeah that was that was that was my uh surprise this week that was made me feel really yeah. good made me feel, does, feel wonderful does renter's insurance cover that uh, well it's it's a condo so it's homeowners and uh oh, okay. my deductible is uh oh. not i mean it's reasonable but yeah. the the amount of damage is not enough really to file a claim oh that sucks but, but it's still enough that it's it's no one's fault that this happened. Yeah. It was shoddy work. It's been repaired, but <laughs> the damage needs to be fixed. So we are doing the right thing by him 
making sure we all have good neighbors. It just means that this month, uh, maybe not so many going outs to eat, maybe some more ramen, you there know, you yeah. just to absorb that in the budget. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. These things happen and it's good that you're prepared for these things when they happen. Absolutely. That's what matters. So, and there is no Travis tonight because he is off on a mission in deep mobile, Alabama, the dirty South, as we like to call it. So over <laughs> to you, Mr. Michael. Hi, everybody. I am Michael Grabois, and uh, this week I am uh, Too Many Comics Lad. Impossible. Well, you have the visual proof. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so I have been uh, slowly redoing my house, and I got new carpeting, as I may have mentioned. And so when they did the carpeting upstairs, they did the entire upstairs except for one room, which is where my comics are, because there is literally not enough room or not, not enough time to move all the comics uh, into the new bedroom that they are going to be in time for the carpet people to be able to do that one room. So I had to take... I would have had to take about 60 long boxes downstairs uh, or pay an extra $150 for them to be able to come back because that's like their minimum charge. Mm -hmm. And I said it's worth $150 to not have to take 60 long boxes downstairs and then back upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I couldn't think, even how pay, much, how much would you pay someone to save you from having to do that? Right. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the thing is that I'd have to pay somebody more than $150 or like uh, hire movers to do that. And it would cost more than $150. Yeah. So I am in the process of moving all the long boxes and all of the stacks of comics that have been standing there for 10, 15 years without long boxes one from one room to the other. And it is a long laborious process. Um, I think I've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000. Um, and once I get them all transferred, then I have to catalog them all because I don't remember when the last time I updated my spreadsheet was oh, maybe goodness. like, maybe like 2005. Oh God. But but the the good part about that is I wasn't collecting for very much longer after that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but I've still got literally thousands of comics in stacks mm -hmm. that need to be filed, and then once I know what I have, then I can start selling them. Yeah, I'm kind of doing the same thing, Michael. To be honest, I have. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go cherry pick all the the good stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know the the first appearance of Deadpool and and various X-Men over the years that I have in what's probably, you know, 9.4, 9.6, 9.8, maybe send them off to get slabbed. And then I don't know what I'm going to do with the money, but, mm. but I will have reclaimed a room. Go, go to Aruba, you know. I mean, I, I don't even want money for mine. I just want less stuff. Yeah, I, yeah that's the stage I, I, I'm at. Yeah, where it's like that's, the, that's where I, I am. Never... If I'm going electronic on my collection for the most part, some stuff I'm still going to keep, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But I don't need 21 half boxes 
taking up a wall in in my bedroom. I think my odds you know? of, of reading The Order uh, by uh, Matt Fraction and Barry Kitson, my odds of it was great. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. My odds of reading it again are very slim. Do I really need to uh, to uh, bequeath those, those to my children? Yeah, true. <laughs> I just don't think I need that. I, I need to They're hold on to those. Say, Dad, we make our own comics. Thanks. I, right? Uh, yeah. I, I switched to digital in 2012 and never looked back. Yeah. Solved all of my problems. But you're still collecting back issues in paper. Yeah. And and how many how many years of uh, did you collect pre digital? Uh, about two thousand one to twenty twelve. So, okay, so you got you got a good decade. You got yeah. a decade of of. Oh, I dumped that stuff long ago. Ah. I sold that for a cool six hundred dollars. Good you. Making the money. Yeah, I had like fifteen Rock long. I, I I had like fifteen long boxes and got myself down to four, but now I'm back up to eight. Uh oh! Better watch it. Better watch it. It's so, like those yeah, Funko Pops, they multiply at night, you know. Yeah, fortunately I haven't gotten into those, but uh, uh, I've got I've got too much invested in my collection to just say, okay, give me 10 cents on the dollar or 10 cents a book or a quarter a book for the whole collection and be done with it. Yeah. Um, uh, too much in, uh, invested both uh, financially and emotionally. Mm. So... Uh, well, I, I plan on doing the like ten cent a book. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Cause, um, well, I'm gonna just, do that with. I'm gonna do that with my filler once I yeah, totally. pick the, uh, yeah. the good stuff. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's the thing is, if, if you want to downsize, you got to find the good stuff and you got to get rid of the the disposable stuff. And yep. right. My my rule of thumb was: is it available digitally? Get rid of it. Can I get it in another format that doesn't take up? all this space get rid of it mm-hmm. yeah the only the only exception to that's going to be anything that i've had signed or anything that is sentimental like my first issue of all the books that i bought like when i was a, a starting collector i'm keeping yep yeah i i right. I, I, I also have my sentimental books basically yeah. a lot of the stuff i bought in the 90s yeah. mm-hmm. but I, I would like yeah, a complete run to j2 because I, I I was shocked when I was going through my books because I haven't gone through them in like a decade. I keep moving them. I've not yeah. gone through them. I've got most of the the Archie run, yeah. but I've not cracked it. I same same yeah. And I'm and I'm like, why am I keeping? And it's not because I I just forgot I had them. Right. It's like really, I should I should be a better collector than that. So so I'll be yeah. uh, I'll be keeping all my Legion stuff. Yeah. And uh, even stuff that I had signed, some of it I got signed because I thought it would be worth something later. Mm-hmm. You know, I got like the first dozen issues of Anal- Animal Man signed by Doug Hazelwood. Ooh. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's a great read. Am I ever going to read it again? Not likely. Is someone going to want to buy it where it's not signed on the cover? Who knows? Yeah. But But I'll find out. Exactly, and that's just part of the uh, that's part of the game. Yeah. It totally is. It totally is. So over to you, Jim. Hey everyone, I'm Jim Purcell, and I guess now I'm Darren's water leak story is better than mine, lad. Ah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, two days ago I also woke up to excitement uh, of oh, no. the water no. variety. I uh, was doing my business in the bathroom. Oh. And oh. Mm-mm. There was a puddle around my feet. No. Did you did you not aim well? 
Was it yellow? No, it, wasn't, it wasn't my fault. It was there before I got there. Ah. Uh, so I did a little detective. <laughs> nice, sl- nice cover. Well. Nice cover there. Nice cover. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping it was that because that would be better than the what it turned out to be. Oh. Uh, so I wiped up the water and I got looking around and apparently had a very small leak coming out of my uh, the actual uh, valve for the toilet. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Uh, so I put a bucket under it because I was still determining if this was a leak or not. Fifteen minutes later, I get a call from the landlord. Apparently, there is water leaking downstairs into the restaurant that is down there. Uh, yeah, oops. So landlord's got a co- <laughs> landlord comes out takes a look at the situation, sees I got everything set up in the bucket. Thankfully, it looks like the dripping water has stopped downstairs, so we have found the leak. And because it is easy enough to control because the leak is small, we don't have to call a plumber uh, as an emergency during Memorial Day weekend. So we'll get him in here this week, get that valve swapped out, and hopefully we won't get any black mold. That's definitely one of my pet peeves, is just water where it's not supposed to be. Right. And... um, you know, we uh, I recently fixed some stuff in our laundry room where it would like sometimes, you know, one of the the drainage pipes on the uh, water softener would like pop out, and uh, and and so I I feel I feel your pain like whenever uh, whenever wa- there's water where it's you know it's like if it's not in a receptacle of some sort it's not supposed to be there mm-hmm. and uh, it must be stopped. It's yes. Moist. <laughs> I just don't like having people come to my apartment, so that's going to be annoying. Hopefully, I can find a way to get them in here. I'll just pass the bucket around; it'll be fine. Yeah. Is that the only one that you've got, or do you have another bathroom? Oh no, I only got the one bathroom. Oh. No, there's nothing yeah, wrong that, with the that, toilet. That is it's just the pain the about doing a whole like, "Hey, we want to redo the bathroom," and you're like, "Oh, it's the only bathroom we have." What are we? Yeah. <laughs> well, then work really quick. Thankfully, yeah. it's an easy fix, but the only real issue is uh, – so the way my apartment is set up is I'm above a pizza parlor, mm-hmm. and it's an older building. So the only access to the basement is through the floor of the pizza parlor downstairs. So not only does it is it not accessible to me, it is disruptive to their business to have people in, in and out of the basement. Totally. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the price of making pizza up north, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think people downstairs would feel worse. If it if word got out that there was a toilet leak going yeah. into the pizza parlor, uh, yeah. be like, no, I think that's a one star Yelp right there on that on that basis alone. <laughs> so that's a topping you don't want on your pizza. No is, sir. Uh, no sir. Is, uh, to- toilet water. Toilet water. Don't like Mm-mm. it. Don't like it a bit. Oh, no, no, sir. No, no sir. No, sir. Nope. 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 <laughs> so yeah. I was almost gonna say, yeah, major disaster this week, but it wasn't major. It just it was a minor. It was an, it was an itty disaster. Itty bitty disaster. Minor disaster. That that's more of a Justice League Antarctica kind of thing. Yeah, right? totally, yeah. totally. Uh, yes. And those rabid penguins. God love them. Yes. So, um, any news? I don't know of any news. News ish. Oh. Uh, let's see. I mean, we have. Uh, confirmation of uh, casting for a League of Super Pets movie. Ooh. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was cast as Crypto. Nice nice of them to duck the Legion name entirely. Yeah, right? Yep. Thanks, WB. Uh, no, this is going to be, I think it's a, it's a movie. I know. Movie. 
but I know exactly who did it and why because Legion doesn't have name recognition. This is a this is an HBO Max thing, is it not? Uh, yeah, maybe. Either that, either theatrical or HBO Max. I don't know. Wait, are you talking about Super Prody? Pets theatrical? Good lord! It, it's Crypto, Streaky, Beppo, and uh, yeah. Comet. Comet. I don't think Prody's in it. It's the same crowd. No, that that's was why in it's the, that... uh, the Super Pets books uh, that came out a few years back. But, yeah, Please. but it's also probably got um, Ace. Uh, uh, yeah, Aquaman's Seahorse Tusky, Tusky the Walrus. No, it wasn't Topo the Octopus. Topo was the octopus. Tusky was the walrus. I forget. Right. It Storm the uh, Seahorse. Yeah. Oh, okay, and then uh, Wonder Girls. Um, Kanga. Kanga. And didn't um, Changeling have somebody? Changeling is his own pet. No, I thought there was. But I think he had a monkey. Yeah, from like the Teen Titans Go, wasn't there somebody? I don't know. Uh, Young Justice, that 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 version of Garfield had a monkey on the uh, oh, right. game reserve they were on. And surely they will fight Grodd. Really? They set us up like that. And don't forget Bat Cow. Yeah, Bat Cow. Oh, yeah. Don't don't call Bat Cow Shirley. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Just what when you, when you said the. Um, yeah. I've gone and derailed myself uh, even as we <laughs> even as we spoke uh, uh, with the uh, with these super pets. Um, yeah, it's kind of annoying because oh, no, Changeling pr- is his own pet. It's like uh, yeah, Changeling is his own pet. Yeah, it's like uh, really? John, John Candy in Spaceballs. You know, he's I'm a mm-hmm. mog. I'm half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. It's true. <laughs> no explanation required. None. Done. Yeah. <laughs> And then the the other bit of news, which uh, broke the internet last week, was the uh, AT&T Discovery Channel deal. Oh, yeah. Because everybody, at least comics Twitter, was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to DC Comics? Mm-hmm. They're going to cancel the comics. No, they're <laughs> going to outsource them. No, they're going to sell them to Marvel. And no, they're going to sell them to IDW. Yeah, and so like, the usual speculation, no, yeah. no yeah. change there. Yeah. No, yeah, no the, one knows, but the yeah. usual speculation with no informed content. Yeah, and uh, see, my know, uninformed opinion is that this is actually good for DC. That's me. Because, I, well, I, I, DC mm. is DC is such a minor component, minor part of the big. Exactly. Or, let, me, let me phrase that: Brella. DC, DC Comics Publishing. Right. A minor component. Um, the only reason that they keep it around is for the IP, yeah. so that they can make the League of Super Pets movie and Justice League movies and Suicide Squad. And now they know, can only a, do that well, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's okay. It's not as good as Marvel. I mean, it's not as profitable as Marvel movies, but but it makes some money. It and does. So the, yeah. so the deal that they're probably going to do. Is going to be like the when AT and T spun off Directv, um, the new company is going to control it, but AT and T will own the majority of it. Like they own seventy percent of the merged company with Directv, but the minority partner is going to run it and basically just pay AT and T cash. Just or, give me the money, said AT and T. AT and T needs capital because they are right. sucking but air. Wait, so the Snyder Cut and the Friends reunion didn't make them all of the money? 
Well, AT and T is greedy. I mean, that's that's just where they are. Well, they also need I mean, they also need cash to pay for the yes uh, for because, the Warner Brothers because those things did place. not make all the money. Yeah, yeah, yes. they didn't make all the money. They did not is what I'm saying. Yeah, no. Yep. So so basically, Discovery Channel is going to run the Warner Brothers Studios and Warner Brothers Entertainment, and awesome. eight eight and they'll just pay AT and T seventy percent of the profits, and AT and T doesn't have to do anything except deposit the check. And eventually, AT and T will divest entirely out yeah, of it. Yeah, they, they I mean, want nothing because, to do with this. Well, I mean, they got convinced. Hey, this is going to be a great deal. HBO Max is going to be the best thing since Netflix and Disney Plus. And it's like, no, because because Netflix already had like all the market share, and they actually have decent content. Disney Plus is the only one who has any other real sizable amount of the streaming. That, you know, that's, that's the thing. Everything shows that uh, that basically people have room in their uh, in their Budget wallets. For two. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and when and, when, so, and once you're the once you're the third, it's just it's less tough. likely. Yeah, so, yeah. Something I don't think a lot of people really appreciate is how big Disney is. Like, oh, it's huge. Yeah, huge. It, it, Warner Brothers is like their next biggest competition, and they're like maybe a third the size. Yeah. Yep. It's just they don't have the none of them have the market poll that disney has period yeah. well they've got kids automatically yeah i mean the only one who competes with disney on kids is dreamworks once every year and a half when they put something out <laughs> yeah and and, and yeah. they don't have the catalog so I no, mean, it's, they don't have the catalog yeah. they don't have they, any princesses to jive with the girls yeah. and except for shrek and kung fu panda they really don't have any big hits yeah, not I recently could, could call, uh, how how i how i uh how to train your dragon was a big hit oh though. yeah yeah, but okay, absolutely. But 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 they can't build a they can't build a a, a, a streaming service around just yeah. that, right? And that's mm -hmm. why Amazon just bought MGM. Oh yes, was was for the number one for the for the library for Amazon Prime. Yeah, yep. right. Number two for the IP for, because well, they said the singular IP. No, no, they they came out and they said there is so much at MGM mm -hmm. that we can use the IP for whether it's, you know, make a, a, a TV series or make new movies out of. Absolutely. I mean, I mean Wizard, Wizard of Oz alone. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wizard of Oz is odd because MGM owns the distribution on that movie, but I don't know what it owns in terms of like being able to sequelize it. They own the MGM movie version of it. Right. The, 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 the story itself, I think is public domain. It's public yes. domain now. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you can't, have Dorothy looking like, like yeah. Apparently, like movie. even Disney had to like use a different shade of green for the Wicked Witch in their version, right? In uh, Oz, great and, and powerful. Yeah, and so um, or the uh, Muppets they, go to Oz, right? But but the other thing that is that they got it for Jamie. is to get more people to buy to get Amazon Prime, yeah, so that they can say. Oh, hey! I have this Prime now. I can do all this shopping and get free one-day delivery. And that's that's got to be. It's always been, you know, it's always been a. Um, and you can't get one-day delivery from Hulu. Wait, all, wait is that all, is that the idea been, now? Is that you subscribe to Prime for the movies, but then use the Prime to get your shipping, and not well, you get it, the Prime for shipping and then use the Prime to watch it, the movies? It all comes it in together. It doesn't matter how they get them yeah. as long as they get. Yeah, them, right? it, it, initially Prime Video was a 
an enticement, an inducement mm-hmm. to uh, to buy into uh, into Prime. And right. so when they first started Prime, the idea was that yeah, basically it's like an annual subscription service uh, for uh, for shipping. But then they started like, okay, well we need incentives, and um, and Prime Video was one of the one of the first big incentives with it was uh, was yeah, so you get your uh, your your better shipping, and you also get this and um, and. They have, uh, they've done. I think they've done a really good job over the last couple of years of of making that more and more interesting. And uh, and so now they got now they got more IP and a bigger library exactly to en- to entice people to get Prime. And then once they have Prime, they'll say, they will say, oh, I can get free shipping on this if I order it on Amazon. I wasn't going to. I was just going to go out to the I store, yep. but now I can. Because I'll, 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 I'll point this out, you know, like, you know, as I say, like a lot of people only have sort of room in the wallet for one streaming service. Well, this bring this one brings a whole lot of other benefits. It's and not just the streaming service. Exactly. It's it, it brings so many other other benefits. Let me tell you, that's how some people, I'm sure, sold it to their wives. I'm not mentioning any names. <laughs> <laughs> But it may just be that the the is his name Saul Nitmensch. Yeah, I it might rhyme with that. It might. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Right. But uh, but you know that there is a that, let me tell you that made a that that you know it's like well I mean it it's great that we get this streaming service. It just happens to come free with the other thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean. I mean. I honestly don't know how you would have more than three. I mean, time for more than three streaming services, well, much less the wallet for them. Yeah. I mean, there there are some months I I don't watch anything on Netflix or Disney or whatever, um, but I can always go back to them because I know they're eventually going to have something on there that I want to watch or rewatch. Yeah. But see, that, it's that's... it's difficult to say, hey, let me pay my cable bill and then let me pay another one hundred and fifty dollars for six separate streaming services. And that's because the thing. that that's, that gets ridiculous. And that's where that's where the uh, you know and that and that that is exactly why you have all these cable companies trying to build their own thing, right? And, I'm pretty sure I haven't had cable since 28 2008. Yeah, you know, just, had, it really I've depends had, how much you need sports, is what I determined. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I I have no need for sports except for the Olympics every. Yeah, I would just cancel my cable. Just get internet. I, I I can't. It's part of my HOA. I have basic cable, mm. but that's who provides my internet as well. So, mm. I'm really paying my cable bill. Is my internet bill? Is what I'm doing. I don't. I get... the last time I switched off my PS3 or PS4 and watched uh, actual cable <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, I get Directv. I get my sister's Disney. I get my dad's Amazon. And I get Netflix for two dollars a month because of my phone. Oh, that's how yeah. that that's how I justify having three. Yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're cheap. Yeah, yeah. Or, see, or see, that, that's the same. Like we've we've managed to uh, to to um, you know we're heading into our our second year of of free Apple TV Plus because mm-hmm. um, it's like oh well uh, Jan got a new phone so that gave us a year free. Awesome. Yep. I'm I'm about I'm about to get a new uh, a new laptop and that is going to also come with a, a year free. A year free. <laughs> wow, imagine that. Look at that. 
I mean, that that's how you work these things now. It's uh, it's just one of those things. But it's yeah, weird, as yeah. far as DC and AT and T, no one knows. No, we won't. It, it, and, and, I, I will tell you this: I'm looking forward to DC Fan Zone more than ever now because I can't wait to see what they have to say at this point. I'm sure none of this stuff will be covered. No, and, there, and there's there's be little reason for it because coming up. For the most part, they're going to do what they do, but let's look at it this way. At least Warner Media is now being run by a company that is in that is about content creation. Uh, yeah, about entertainment. Yeah, because I mean, AT&T could give five bucks. Honestly. Exactly, exactly. So uh, there's like, where's your profit? Oh, well, you got your forty percent of your staff. Yeah. That's yeah. what's been happening for the past year. Exactly. So, so no, this is crap. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I mean, so this has been the uh, uh, entertainment uh, cast. Yeah, take uh, everybody, drink. take a drink. Yeah. Please take all the drinks. Streaming cast. Yeah. All right. So, um, <laughs> are we uh, are we ready to dive in? Oh, good lord! Yes. It depends. What do you want to dive into? Do you want Valor or Ultra Boy first? Uh, that's a good question. Let's let's I'll hit leave it up the, to you guys. Let's hit the yada yada first. You know the main okay. the main topic, and then we'll the get main, into the, the other main stuff. Peach. Yeah, the main. Peach. That'll be the dessert. Mm. All right. All righty. So, uh, as Paul said at the top of the uh, podcast, this is the uh, Valor Yada Yada Part Two Yada Harder. Um, we are now at the See, point I, where I, sh- Valor- I should have said Yada Hada. Oh. Yada hada. The new generation. Damn it. <laughs> so we are at the point in in uh, Legion Publishing where Valor number 11 would fit into the timeline. So from the, for the rest of the series, we will be folding Valor into the regular recap rotation. Um, the last time we did this, we covered issues one through five. Uh, to recap part one, you can either go back and listen to episode 655, or I'll do it right now. Um, so if you don't want to listen right now, then skip ahead a couple of minutes. Uh, so last time, uh, Lex Luthor gives Valor an interplanetary star cruiser with an AI named Babbage, which is programmed for a Star Trek, basically to seek out new lives and new civilizations and report back to Luthor. So Valor goes cruising around space with it until he's attacked by a space pirate named White Spider. Uh, He flees to Cairn for help from the L-E-G-I-O-N. Lobo shows up to help, and the White Spider runs away, because that's what you do when Lobo shows up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Valor and Lobo fight just because, until Vril Doc stops them. Uh, While he's there, Valor also wants a refill of the anti-lead serum that Doc's created. Uh, Docs fixes Valor's ship's warp drive, while FaZe warns him to check that he got the right serum. Uh, but Docs sent the ship to Starlag 2, which is a prison that is conveniently located in a red sun system where Valor is powerless. Boy, Docs is a jerk. Uh, yes, the ship shuts down just as Docs programmed it to, but Valor manages to send off a distress call first. He's captured, taken to Warden... Kanjar Ru, who is Kanjar Ro's hot sister slash <laughs> or, or mother or daughter, but it's never explained, uh, who says that he is under arrest for stealing a LEGION warp drive. Docs set him up because why? Docs is a jerk. 
Exactly. So he, uh, uh, Valor is put into a cell with a former and powerless Green Lantern, but his distress call was heard by Snapper Carr and the Blasters, who you'll recall had been given powers after being experimented on during the same invasion when Docs met the rest of his f- future crew. Babbage finds something called the unimaginable being held captive on Starlag 2. And we pick up in issue six. Any comments before I go on? No. No? All right. No. So issue six, uh, the blasters are on a mission to spring a powerless valor from the maximum security penitentiary known as Starlag 2. But they have to go through Warden Kanjar Ru and her cyborg army to do it. Hold on, Kanjar Ru? Uh, are you? Yes. Okay. Uh, related to Kanjar Ro. I was about to say. Yeah. The the female version oh, of Kanjar Ro. Um, but they never explained that there is a connection. So, if I'm you, guessing twin sister. That, who knows? Just a guess. Sure. Why not? Uh, so cover date April ninety three. Uh, this is written by Robert Lauren Fleming, pencils by Jeffrey Moore, inks by Trevor Scott, and covered by Howard Chaikin. Mm. Uh, this was on sale February 9th, 1993, one week after Timberwolf number five, the same day as Legionnaires number one, and a week before Legion issue 42, which was the return of Luorno's formerly dead body. Mm. Mm-hmm. So issue six opens with the blaster ship arriving at Starlag 2 with a thoom. And what do we do when there's a thoom? Oh, we take a drink. Oh, I, I've been drinking all day. I keep going. Okay. It's a three-day weekend that, here. Come on now. For those who have not been drinking all weekend, we take a drink with a there thoom. There we go. Yes, indeed. Uh, indeed. The Dominator indeed. uses his membership card to secure a docking port. <laughs> and they and they turn to the Kanjaru uh, ch- TV channel. She says, "We are the premier prison facility, conveniently located at the hub of twelve major star systems, and serving all life forms in your galaxy. Our seventeen completely automated loading docks mean no waiting, and we are now accepting both liquid and gaseous life forms. <laughs> Bring your own container and avoid the deposit charge." Oh my! At Starlag Two, you're the boss. You tell us the term of incarceration. You tell us the conditions of the imprisonment. Do away with the uncertainty of confusing legal procedures. At Starlag 2, there are no questions asked. Easy payment plans are available upon request. Okay. So uh, they take a page from Han Solo and Luke Skywalker transporting Chewbacca to the detention block. And so several members of the blasters pretend to be captured by the Dominator so that they can move freely. There's a Dominator who's a member of the Blasters, by the way. Uh, And they make it to the prison block. Nearby, Babbage, uh, who is uh, in a tiny ship, sneaks around Starlag looking for the unimaginable and finds it imprisoned in a giant crystal cube. And uh, Tangent here. And what do we do with Tangents? We take a drink. Oh, we we definitely take a drink, and then we we talk about how that Green Lantern was really cool in the Tangent universe. Yes. Uh, so on this tangent, though, <laughs> the the unimaginable first appeared in Silver Age Justice League numbers forty two and forty four back in nineteen sixty six as an alien who wanted to join the Justice League, 
but sought revenge when it couldn't join. At one uh-huh. point, at one point, posing as the alien Doctor Bendorian. Uh, it, after its appearance in Valor, it appears seven years later in the Superman of America miniseries from the year 2000, and probably mm-hmm. has not been seen since. Ah. Uh, so meanwhile, back off the tangent, uh, a couple of the other blasters cause a diversion. They go off to the cell block to find Valor, run into some stormtroopers, show off their powers to the reader. They rescue Valor and the Green Lantern, and then they get stopped by Dr. Bendorian, who says he has destroyed the unimaginable. And wow. That is, that is issue six. Yes. All right. Issues. That's issues. a lot. Yeah, well. Yeah, okay. go on. Go on. So issue seven, the uh, solicit reads, cutting a huge swath through Starlag 2. Valor's mysterious foe causes no end of trouble for the powerless hero and his allies, the Blasters. The villain's next plan is the total destruction of a star system. And this is cover date May of 93, written by Robert Lauren Fleming, pencils by Jeffrey Moore, inks by Ray Crissing, and cover again by Howard Chaikin. On sale March 16th of 93, which was the same day as Legionnaires 2, a week before Legion 43, which was when Misa confronted Mordrew with what she thought were the powers of Amethyst. Issue 7 starts with Babbage and Pilgrim 1 coming to rescue Valor, only his ship has now sprouted tentacles. Just because. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Cthulhu and all. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Valor gets captured, but then he feels his powers somehow kick in, despite being in a Red Sun system. So he breaks free and goes inside the ship. Uh, there, Babbage tells him that he inadvertently released the unimaginable, but as he's telling the story, the tentacles that were batter- battering the ship suddenly vanish. Mm. Uh, Valor tells Babbage what happened after the end of last issue when Dr. Bendorian confronted Kanjaru. Uh, Valor's tracker found Pilgrim One in the unimaginable's cage. They escape Starlag, but they see that the unimaginable has reconfigured it. Valor races back in to rescue the Green Lantern, who tells him that Dr. Bendorian has wiped out the guards off-panel and then went wild. Pilgrim One races through the ship and sees the blaster ship. Valor helps fight off the guards so that they can escape. Meanwhile, Kanjaru triggers the failsafe. The Pilgrim escapes and Babbage says that the unimaginable is headed for the red sun because it gets its power by making suns go supernova. And that is issue that, seven. That can't be a good thing. No, that's, that's typically bad, isn't yeah, it? That's, that's the way it, I look at it. I'll, I'll give you a spoiler. It, it, everybody escapes. Man. Um, also, Valor doesn't die. Well, that's that's handy because you know the book is named after him. So right. Plus, he's got you know another couple dozen issues to go. Yeah, true. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So issue eight, Valor must evacuate a stubborn environmentalist and her favorite endangered species before the unimaginable causes the system's sun to go supernova. But there may be more sparks flying than just an exploding planet. Uh, cover date, June of 93, written by Fleming, pencils by Moore, 
Uh, guest inks by Ron Boyd, cover again by Howard Chaikin. On sale, April 13th, 93, which was the same day as Legionnaires number three, a week before Legion 44, which is when Mordrew raised the zombies. Mm -hmm. So issue eight opens on the escape from Starlag. The blasters are fighting their way out and are just about to leave when they realize that one of their own has been captured. Suddenly, the Starlag warps away with the blasters on board. Uh, Babbage runs scans on the area and finds only two life forms nearby on a moon. Valor goes down to the moon and finds a wo woman named Willa Farr hunting a small dragon-like creature she calls a salt cretin, which would be a, uh, a good insult to call somebody a salt cretin. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so Valor and Willa spend an inordinate amount of time chasing this mischievous creature with the sun about to go supernova and all. But Valor's powers come back all of a sudden. He easily catches it. She takes it from him, gets in her ship, and then warps off. The Pilgrim warps away as the sun goes supernova, and Valor decides it's time to go looking for supplies. So I have another digression. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Go for it. Everybody take a drink? Yeah. So like you need this, to ask. <laughs> at this point, we are eight issues into the series, and the book doesn't really know what it wants to be. Yeah. Um, in issue one, Valor has daddy issues. He <laughs> talks to a psychiatrist. He fights eclipsoids, and we never see any of that again. In issue two, he fights Supergirl and Luther, and it seems to be a Superman office title. Mm. Uh, issue three, he meets the White Spider Pirates and heads to Cairn from help from the L-E-G-I-O-N. Issue four, he fights Lobo. Issue five, he's captured and put in Starlag. Issue six, he's rescued by the Blasters. Issue seven, he escapes. And issue eight, Starlag disappears with the Blasters. And he finds an alien woman who he helps while he forgets about Starlag, the Blasters, or the unimaginable. Oh. Now, now keep it's, in mind, that's because this is what... Um... You know, this is the kind of thing that Fleming had originally planned. And this was not unusual for books of the time where it's like, okay, we've got this character and now we're just going to basically throw stuff at them. And they're going to go from situation to situation. So he's going to be a space explorer. So we'll just do that. And and then it it ends up, um, you know, like they, they stripped out the one key part to... Uh, um, Fleming's original plan, you know, his original plan was uh, was he goes through all these things and we see how he built the legend. And now it's just like, yeah, he just goes and he does stuff. Yeah. Right. So it's, <laughs> he like does I, stuff. I, I, I wrote that adventures keep happening around him yeah. and he only yeah. sees a small part of it. It's not a cosmic book. It's just this guy out in space that things keep happening to. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there's also this subplot that they haven't addressed, which they actually will, about his powers fading in and out. Oh, um, that can be bad when you're traveling between, um, uh, yeah. you know, yes. planets and such, because yes. very problematic. Um, yeah. So I have a second digression, uh -huh. which means take, take another drink. drink. Uh, so the blasters disappear in this issue. Uh, we don't see them again in this title. Uh, at some point after this issue, Snapper Carr got separated from his teammates. Uh, he did not know if they were dead or alive and expressed some guilt over their unknown fate. Mm. 
While searching for them, he was captured by some Kuns who cut off his hands. He was rescued by operatives of the LEGION, but knew nothing about the fates of his fellow blasters. Uh, Vril Dox gave Snapper new hands, but he had now lost the ability to teleport. And after that, Snapper was returned to Earth. And all of this was in uh, Our Man, issues 2021, about the, the robot guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, three of the blasters appeared in 2007 in an issue of Superman Batman, uh, which was 14 years later. But the rest of the blasters have not been seen since this issue in 1993. Wow. They're, they're, uh, they're hanging out with the, uh, um, the new Guardians. Yeah. yeah. Waiting to be killed off in some massive crossover event. And yeah. everyone go, who is that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, that's kind of sad. I, I, I actually, I liked Snapper with the teleportation powers, but I always thought he should have like gone back to his roots and joined the Justice League or something. Because <laughs> it's like, he started there. Yeah. Put him put yeah. him in jail. He's a teleporter now. Come on. Tech him up. Batman, get on this. But no. Let let's and, let's well, put him you in know, the blaster. Because he was he was kind of the he was always the the He was the Rick Jones, Rick Jones of, exactly. of Justice League. And yeah, so when perfect. he and when uh when he ended when he appeared in Our Man for that little while, um he really became Rick Jones again. <laughs> yeah. Because they depowered him. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, but that was never, you know, like, like this powers thing, it was, it was a, uh, it, it was never going to last. Uh, but I wanted it to. Oh, what, yeah. What's funny is later he got a different power, according to Cheetah in uh, the Final Crisis. Uh, Snapper's gifted. So. Hey now. Hey now. Yeah. Just saying. No. T- take so, it from a cat lady. You mm-hmm. know. What, um, so whatever happened to Snapper? After uh, after Our Man, does anybody know or have an idea? Well, I mean, in Final Crisis, he wound up having sex with Cheetah. Um, in I, I, um, I apparently t- have tangentially that out. related books. I think it was he. Um, like I, I, at some point, he was um, basically canonically speaking, uh, he joined uh, Checkmate. And oh, okay. they they revealed that when in the there was one of the fifty two aftermath series it was the four horsemen, ah. and uh, he also appeared as as Darren mentioned in Final Crisis Resist, and then um, I and then there, there I'm a, I'm looking up now yeah there was a Justice here. League uh, a Justice League America eighty page giant in November two thousand nine. Ah. He was in, according to the DC Wikia, he was invited to the Green Arrow Black Canary wedding, but Deathstroke stole his invitation. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I had to be reminded, but I think Snapper's most recent appearance was in the Dial H for Hero series from Wonder Comics. Oh, oh really? Okay. He shows up. I, rec- I read this. I, he shows up there because he was apparently at some point he had either used the H dial or desired it for some reason because he was hunting for the H dial. And he mm. basically allied himself with uh, the characters of that series at some point. Well, according according to this, um, let's see here. Boppity bop bop bop. Snapper tries to save a whole bunch of brainwashed human slaves. Um, Cheetah seduces him after saving him from Firehawk. 
They have sex, and afterwards they are attacked by Gorilla Grodd. That's a buzzkill right there. And Snapper uses his power to teleport both Cheetah and him back to Checkmate headquarters, where Terrific, uh, Mr. Terrific, is left with no other choice and unleashes the Omax um, to attack superheroes onto the world. And Snapper was last seen helping lead the survivors. So he got his powers back. And in in between there, um, he was in... um... Young Justice. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. At so some point, he was. He but was during, uh, during reboots, I'm sure blasters never existed. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. And uh, um, in in Young Justice, he was there for. Uh, like he was kind of a major recurring character there. Um, in in a bunch of issues, but um, attended Green Arrow's funeral. Um, apparently not the wedding. Um, <laughs> not the wedding, no. Oh, no, it says he did attend, yeah. So, um, oh, well. in this last outing, Snapper's invitation to the wedding is stolen and re-stolen by a host of villains. Mm. But uh, Snapper manages to attend the event all the same. Then of He course, probably just teleported in, honestly. It was, uh, it was Checkmate and, um, and the aforementioned... Um, um, Final Crisis resists. Final Crisis, yeah. Uh, Justice League, um, and yeah, and so so Dial H, as Jim mentions, is the most recent uh, appearance. So there you go. So the the blasters do, or or at least have existed since they were in 2007's Superman Batman number 32. Uh, was that? Pre-final crisis, post-final crisis. I think that was pre-final. Doesn't really matter because that so, wasn't that I mean, wasn't a big continuity changing. Well, thing. no, but I'm, I'm what what I'm getting at is that they might have been like disappeared in one of the reboots, but if it happened after that, then they obviously. Uh, I'm sure they disappeared. The, the thing to the thing to remember is that it is not always. Um, but hypertime. Sure. There you go. But it is not always a, uh, a you know, a, the the disappearing of a team from a continuity is not always uh, involved in a continuity changing event. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is just like, yeah, we don't want that to have been a thing anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and and so, you know, it's the old uh, what's it? Uh, Francis Kane becomes Frankie Kane and uh, becomes and, magenta. Yeah. And the, the whole story's different. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, sometimes it is just the uh, I, I mean, sometimes all of the times it is, hey, a writer decided they had a different uh, take on something. And um and you know. yeah, and they go for it. Yeah. And say, and, yeah, that didn't happen now. So yeah. And apparently that's okay. And apparently nobody has a new take on the blasters. So no. Anyway, the time's gonna Batman come. And the blasters, it's unlikely to go forward at this point. Uh correct. And then as for the final digression, uh, we never saw Willa Farr again, even though it was obvious she was being set up as a foil or a love interest for Valor. Uh, we also never saw, to the best of my knowledge, Star, excuse me, Starlag Two or Kanjaru yeah. again in any other book. Yeah, again, this was uh, this was like Fleming saying, "Yeah, let's just throw stuff at him." And uh... 
Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was building a world. It just wasn't a world that anyone else built upon. Wanted to be in. Yeah. <laughs> a whole new world. No, we can't afford that. That's all we get. That's all we get. I stopped. It's okay. <laughs> Those all right. Mouse bastards. So, progressing into issue number nine. Mm-hmm. It's Valor versus Darkstar. Trying to impress a girl... Valor gets mixed up in a conflict between Darkstar Chaser Braun and marauding space pirates in a duel to decide who will be planetary champion. Uh, cover day, July 93, written by Mark Wade, pencils by Paris Cullens, inks by Ray Crissing, cover by Adam Hughes. Uh, on sale, May 11, 93, same day as Legionnaires number four, and a week before Legion number 45, which was part one of Legionnaires versus Zombies. Uh, <clears throat> so this one uh, is basically a Western set in space. Uh, issue nine opens with a shot of Valor on a planet punching cyborg space pirates like you do. Mm. Uh, one of the. Well, yeah. Uh, one of the pirates threatens a couple of kids, so Valor blasts him and saves the kids. Mm. He decides that he likes being a hero. Maybe he can find a girl to hang out with. Turns out that he lands that, on the planet. That is homophobic right there. <laughs> Assuming uh, it's... No, bad, bad. No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, turns out that he landed on the planet Baltar 4, an old mining colony for supplies, and an old guy, just picture a prospector, uh, tells him that those were Packard's men. Valor tries to impress this one girl while the old guy tells him about Chaser Braun, a dark star who decided to be the planetary protector and substitute planetary protector for new sheriff of the town. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Braun flies up in his ship and drops off the pirates he's caught. And the people tell him that Valor is the new challenger for Planetary Protector. Braun tells Valor that he's busy with Packard's pirates. And in trying to impress the girl, Valor talks back to Braun and challenges him to a duel. Of course, the girl is Braun's daughter. Mm. Back at the Pilgrim, Valor is fixing up the ship with the Green Lantern and Babbage. And he realizes that he tends to act before he thinks. The Green Lantern tells him he needs to learn the difference between arrogance and pride. And so Valor realizes that he has to back out of this fight gracefully. Uh, the next morning, he tries to do so, but fails miserably, and they fight. While they do so, Packard attacks the two of them in preparation for raiding the town. Valor gets walloped while Braun sneaks inside the ship and disables it. Uh, Braun tells Valor that he put too much stock in youth and power instead of experience and cunning. And Valor admits defeat and lets Braun keep the title of planetary champion. And so you can just see this is an old Western oh, yeah. where, uh, where you get the young gun trying to come in and the older guy says, you're, you're too young and arrogant. Uh, what's the, Darren, what's the quote about youth and power versus experience and cunning? Or you're asking me to recite a quote and I'm three in the bag already tonight. <laughs> um, or was it like youth and beauty versus youth and beauty will always win out to age and cunning always. 
that that is the way of the world it it reverses when someone who is old is trying to compete with youth just on looks because that's kind of pathetic but when you use your brains and your uh <laughs> your world knowledge versus someone who is naive and not as experienced typically age will win so and that is exactly the lesson that valor learned this issue mm. well there you go uh, the, only, so, the only exception of that is wearing a thong because after 21 a thong is just wrong don't do it <laughs> do it don't don't even ask if it looks good on you don't do it uh Same. so Same. Chaser Braun, the Dark Star, appears next in the DC Universe Trinity miniseries, coming later in 1993, starring the Dark Stars, the Green Lanterns, and the LEGION. And Paul, have you guys discussed if you're going to hit that? When when we get to it, absolutely. All right. We are uh, we are not there yet, but uh, but yeah, that's. Um... That's uh, that's prime territory. You know, they they DC spent a little bit of time really trying to make the Dark Stars a thing. Mm-hmm. Like Fetch? Much like Well, Fetch. I mean, they, they yes. slapped Donna Troy in that because they're like, hey, let's get the Titans readers over there. Exactly. And, you know, and, that, and, that was a colossal mistake. Well, <laughs> what what you mean DC's stewardship of Donna Troy as a character was uh, was messy? Okay, the first... Okay, so I've been watching a lot of YouTube this past week. So I'm going to um actually you on that. Um actually DC doesn't caretake the character of Donna Troy at all. <laughs> That's you can true. Tell by the way she's been treated over the years. <laughs> For those of you who don't know um actually it's this great online um I guess game show. It's very, very low. Don't think it's like Price is Right or anything. But uh, there's a guy who says something that is nerdy. And then these three other contestants have to figure out what about what he said is incorrect. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but you have to start it off with, um, actually. It's like if we said back in Adventure Comics 2, 237, Superboy is visited by Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl, and Cosmic Boy to test him to see if he is worthy of joining the Legion of Superheroes. And then one of you would ring in and tell me what was wrong with what I just yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. So we'd give you a well, actually. Um, actually. Um, actually. Yeah. Well, um, actually. Okay. Um, actually. So what was wrong with that, Michael? Because I know you would ding in first. Well, it was 247 and it was Lightning Boy. Well, there you go. So two things were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Go on. Let's get back to Valor's shenanigans. Yes. Well, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat, actually. <laughs> Are One, you worried I might slip? And... So I'm like, play more out of space drama with this kid. And, and the, the 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 you know, I I, I feel like I you know, and I, here I am after all of this, and I never mentioned the. Uh, the bizarre, utterly bizarre jumpsuits that the uh, um, blasters had uh, re- received somewhere along the way. But That's yeah, right. I I did want to point out that, um, uh, like I mentioned, Mark Wade wrote this issue. Um, it's a fill-in, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard to explain, hard to put into words how this feels like a Mark Wade story and not a Robert Lauren Fleming story. Well, it's because it's actually kind of fun 
and Same. has and stuff going on. You just did it. I love it. <laughs> and it feels like Valor has a purpose in some regards. So it was, uh, it, it was, uh, even though it's kind of a cliche story about, you know, the young guy and the space Western, um, it, it felt refreshingly it's, different because of what we had had before with all of, with what Fleming had, had written. It's definitely um, the best issue of this run so far. Yeah, I agree. The, the bar um, is admittedly. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, the, the only, the only problem that I have with this, that I have with the whole series, or not the only problem, but one of the problems that I have is that in the series, Largand is written as if he's 18. Yeah. But chronologically, he's only about 14, maybe 15. Because, eh, not because anymore. <laughs> well, because, I mean, he's only been present in the DCU for a while, for a little while. Um, he's 15 or so when he, when Glorith puts him into the, uh, the buffer zone. And then he spends three years in the 30th century as a legionnaire. So he's like 18 as the SW6 version of Valor. And, and have they clarified that age? Uh, yeah, if you go by, um, I think, I, I don't remember where, but, but he is, he's supposed to be about 18 in the SW6. Mm. Because everybody else is like between 14 and 18. Yeah, but Glorithverse shenanigans, any number of things, factors could have been changed when he was plugged in the Superboy hole. They, they, grew, they grew up fast on Daxum, too. I mean, that's... Well, but this this is post-Glorithverse, though. But that's what but I'm saying. Is... He can be older because the old continuity is no longer valid. Right, he, was, but... he was young in Adventure Comics, but he doesn't have to be young is SW six because it's a different, it's a different character. They can fudge it. They can fudge it real good. <laughs> I I still take issue with it, but regardless, I think another reason I think this issue is just overall better is I think the Paris Cullen's art is just kind of more appealing here. But you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but the the yeah, the thing about it is, is like, so we can say it's like he's eighteen, but is it? Like, I I, I don't see any anything that sort of puts an age on the way on the way he acts. I think, I, in fact, the the inexperience. Oh, you know, I mean, Superboy always seemed uh, seemed older than than fifteen, sixteen. You know, especially with certain artists draw him. Well, that too, yeah, absolutely. But that's a, that's a whole other thing, right? It's, well, uh, Valor is also a little horny, so and, and we had gone all over the place with uh, with Valor as far as um, you know, like like in, in in some of the issues here, he actually seemed kind of more slight than uh, than a lot of other characters, and then he wasn't, and then he was, and then he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, he really should be like the Captain Kirk. I mean, if he's seeding the planets, come on. <laughs> I know. Just, I, just saying, I didn't make that up. I'm like, he needs to be, go seduce the high priestess, something, go. Do your business there, Valor. 
Yeah, I get, I think I think a lot of times, like for example, when he appeared in uh, Panic in the Sky, and I mean, mm-hmm. I think he maybe spoke two words, if that. Um, you know, they were kind of drawing him like you know older Valor, basically. Um, and same with when he was in the uh, when he was for all those years that he was in the Legion. Yes, for all of those years, exactly. Um, in each and every issue that he appeared in, which is very many of them. Mm. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, ag- again, he was like, like those, I would say, yeah, he's definitely being, uh, being, uh, drawn as a, uh, a, a you know, as a, as a, a, an older adult. Um, I don't feel like that's the case in this book. Though this this issue, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing because uh, yeah. So it is. You're right. I mean, it's all over the place. But um, that's yeah. That's, that's my point. Is that it's it's comics. inconsistent, inconsistent, and also or inconsistent within the series, and also not consistent with where he is in Legion continuity. But we are uh, less than a year away from not having to worry about anything. Legion continuity wise. Exactly. So it's not really, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm but just pointing it out. I would say he's probably, <laughs> you know, if he's supposed to be around 14 or 15, there is nothing in here that, that, um, that counter indicates that. Yeah. Fair enough. Like the, at no point has, has, has he said, so I'm 18 now, you know, it's uh, the, 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 uh, you know, we we put a lot of precepts on what that means. Like, well, he's traveling out on his own. He, clearly, he's uh, he's finished high school. That assumes they have such things on uh, on um, on Daxum. On Daxum, and you know, it's like it's like uh, um, you know, Rock Crim was leaving Brawl to uh, to to find work uh, um, much younger than eighteen. And, uh, and so I, I, I don't, I haven't seen anything that says he definitely isn't, um, and artists drawing people looking younger, older, younger, older, it's, that's a, that's been a problem in comics forever. As, as Jim mentioned, like, you know, you, you, you get, uh, Superboy drawn by Kurt Schaffenberger looks younger. Um, you know, uh, some other artists, it's like, he's almost indistinguishable from being Superman. So I'm uh, looking back at my notes from part one, uh, which you will also uh, recall if you've just listened to the uh, the part one, yada, yada. Um, in issue two, uh, it opens with him repairing some machinery and remembering when he was a 14-year-old mechanic okay. back on Daxum. Okay, there we go. There we go. But does it say that was years before or? He, it, it turns out he's been making a memorial to his father quote, all these years I've been angry with you without even realizing it, and he's angry with his father for whatever happened to his father in Invasion. So, so he's m- minimum 16, because two is is years. Yeah, two, two is the minimum for years being there. I, I, I concede to Jim's point there, completely. And, uh, I don't know, it's with all the other stuff going on, it feels like he's been being written as older but if you don't agree then, then that's fine then he's older. Well, I, I agree he is being written as older but i don't think it matters very much 
you know, it, it, it is again, uh, he is the, especially in the revised continuity, you know, he is the inspiration for the Legion. So I think uh, uh, that, that he kind of gets to um, breeze past the, um, what is it? The, uh, the whole, mm-hmm. uh, everyone needs to be uh, below the age of 18. Anyway, so on to issue 10. Uh, when the secrets of the old Green Lantern are finally revealed, everybody is knocked for a loop. Also, the hmm. battle with the unimaginable turns deadly as the villain brutally murders the white spider and his gang and then turns his sights on Valor and the crew. Uh, well, spoiler alert, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm about to say. Uh, we covered- with everything that happens. <laughs> Just about. Uh, cover date, August of 93, written by Robert Lauren Fleming, pencils by Jeffrey Moore, inks by Mike Sellers, cover by Adam Hughes. Mm. Uh, on sale, June 15th, 93, which was the same day as Legionnaires number five, and a week before Legion number 46, which was part two of the Legion fighting zombies. Mm. So okay. issue, issue 10 opens up with a shot of Valor coming under attack by the White Spider Gang from issue three. Uh, Remember that that plot line had been dropped. Uh, Valor is back on the trail of the unimaginable after last issue's fill-in, which was another plot line that had been paused for a couple issues. And rather than go out and disable the ships by hand like he did last time, uh, which was like around issue three, he says that the battle with Chaser Braun taught him lessons on the pitfalls of using brute force. And I find it interesting that the fill-in was not just like an inventory fill-in because it's actually part of continuity. It had the Green Lantern last issue and Fleming references it this issue. Well, I mean, the series hasn't been going on long enough to have like actual like um, inventory stories. Right. So uh, Valor decides to play chicken with the leader of the gang, but the unimaginable, as Dr. Bendorian, goes ahead and kills the white spider pirate, causing Valor to have to break off. And putting, putting an end to this plot line really, real well. Yes, that is one way to write off a plot line that you're not going to get back to. Yep. Uh, so Dr. Bendorian destroys the other ships, uh, so no more white spider gang, and then he comes aboard the Pilgrim One. But he's there for Green Lantern, not for Valor. And he causes part of the ship to restrain Valor, who realizes that he's lost his powers again. Oi! Uh, How convenient, yes. Dr. Bendorian says the Green Lantern will pay for his captivity. And the Green Lantern says it was what he deserved, or it deserved. Uh, Dr. Bendorian says, for killing your child. So now we go into flashback mode. Rude. Uh, So there's a flashback to a child calling for her mommy while things around her start to burn. The Green Lantern says that's not how it happened. Everybody died instantly when the unimaginable caused the star to go Nova. And the Green Lantern used every bit of the ring's power to bring him to justice or bring it to justice. Uh, The alien says, can you do it again? and uses its powers on the old Green Lantern to turn her back into a young woman. 
So this slightly confused me because I thought it was obvious she was a woman from her first appearance, but then everyone's everyone started calling her man, baby. Right. Everyone just started using male pronouns on her, and I guess we were supposed to assume she was male because because the Green Lantern was old and decrepit and had long white hair and I don't know. It was weird. I, I immediately picked up on female. Oh. Despite that. I don't know. So it's supposed to be a big surprise that uh, that the Green Lantern is now a young woman. Uh, she flashes back to coming home to find her world burned. Uh, the alien confronts her, but she uses the last of her ring's power and traps him while turning herself into an energy creature. Ooh. The Planetary Federation arrived to survey the damage, uh, found them both, and took them both to Starlab. So the unimaginable says that it has returned her power to make it an even fight, and they beam out to a nearby planet where they can fight. Uh, Valor asks Babbage if he ever analyzed that anti-lead serum that Docs gave him back in issue four. Uh, Babbage replies it was normal, so that doesn't explain why his powers are erratic and why he is suddenly burning up with a fever. Mm. Uh, Valor leaves the ship, destroys the unimaginable. Well, not destroys since it does reappear 14 years later. Uh, brings the Green Lantern inside where he berates himself for dismissing her because she looked like an old timer and he never even got her name. Then Valor has another spasm and passes out. He's not that invulnerable, this uh, this Valor, is he? Not so much, well, for, no. for most of the... For most of the series, the powers have been flickering on and off. I mean, I, I, this is the same problem with Superman, right? Whenever you have him or any other type character in the in the book, is it's hard to throw challenges at characters that are super strong, not invulnerable, super speed, etc. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to keep amping up the the problems unless you're going to depower your hero. Yeah. So. There's also there's also like in this period there's been an effort to depower Superman in general, right? So like Kryptonian decks might level powers well, just this aren't is, what they used to be. Well, this is um, cover date of uh, or, or let's see that was uh, cover date of August '93. So we were somewhere in June of I mean June '93 is when it went on sale. So we are somewhere in the death of Superman era. So he was really depowered at this stage. Really depowered, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 taking Jim's point, it's not like he was Silver Age Superman moving moons and planets no. out of orbit. No, he wasn't. Because they had, they had uh, you know, Byrne had taken his powers down quite a bit, but then they had mm-hmm. gradually started amping making, back up. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, then he gets killed and when he comes back he gets actually they they make a they do a storyline about his powers you know getting more and more powerful mm-hmm. um the more but, sunlight he's exposed to yeah ah uh, uh, get it so yeah this there seems to be an the idea that if a you know kryptonian level like superman fights someone who's equally powerful then he can bleed which doesn't make a lot of sense to call it invulnerability if it's not actual invulnerability. It would just be super toughness, I guess. So it's relative invulnerability. Yeah, yeah it's relative. relative it's, yeah. It's super invulnerability. 
not just regular invulnerability. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, we can get we can we can get into that if you want to, but that is going to go down into such a rabbit hole. It's not even funny. No oh my. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have read or watched the uh, Invincible series on Netflix or when it came out in Image. But like one of the main conceits of that series is is that its main character, despite being called invincible, bleeds like a stuck pig constantly. <laughs> that is amusing. <laughs> Irony right. was lost on him, I guess. All right. Guess what happens in issue eleven? Well, a whole bunch of other people die, and Valor well, loses his powers again. The, the next issue box says Oa. Well, yeah, but issue eleven is an exciting new direction for Valor. Is it? And wow. What do we do with an exciting new direction? We take, a we drink. take drinks. Thank you. All right. So the solicitation, and this is for issue 11, we're already an exciting new direction. I know. That means they had no direction. It's a new number one. So number one, they had to number one it twice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So beginning an exciting new direction for Valor that will ultimately lead to a major shakeup in the DC universe. Oh, which which they're not wrong because Zero Hour was kind of a Coming, major shakeup. Right? Yeah, true. Yeah, and, uh, and, and for anyone involved in the Legion, it was <laughs> a, a pretty. It big was one. an yeah. extremely uh, yeah. big shakeup. Yeah. So so we are probably a year out from Zero Hour. And this is one of the first teases for it. Mm. Okay. So it's a race against time as we Valor were must. Seeing, yeah, I think there was some stuff in the showcase book. Um, for zero hour. Yeah, they were starting. This is when we were starting to get some of the little uh, bits with. Um, with the time uh, folks. Yeah, the time. Linear men and, and linear men. Oh, yeah, that's and, and, uh, yeah, about them. And and extant and all that kind of stuff. So. So there was starting to be stuff put in motion, but uh, but yeah, this is you know you don't you, you don't get much earlier than this though, because like you say, it's a full year. It would be a busy year, and uh, and and in the uh, you know they, they it's not like now where where hey the the uh, the event is upon us and that, and this is the first we've heard of it, mm-hmm. um, right. You know, they, there was but, a, a lot of groundwork net, uh, laid down. For uh, w- Wade wrote Zero Hour, right? Or was that? No, yeah, it was Jurgens. If Jurgens wrote Jergens? it. Yeah. Okay. What was Wade editing it though? No, no, huh. he wasn't editing anymore. Probably, at that stage. probably Raspler. Ah, I don't recall. Because I think they they were remembering their lessons from Crisis. If you're going to have a big event comic, you start seeding the books early. Yes, and with, of with course, they yeah. had a plan, totally their plan and completely original, um, to start the book at number four and count down as they went. Uh, we don't say that word on this podcast. It's, it's two words, not one. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. So it is... So it is a race against time as Valor must return the injured and dying Green Lantern to Oa before Valor's out-of-control powers destroy his ship. Uh, Cover date, September 93, written by Mark Wade, pencils by Jeffrey Moore, inks by Mike Sellers, cover by Jason Pearson, on sale July 13th, 93. 
which was the same day as Legionnaires number six, which we did in our last episode before uh, the interview with Al, and a week before Legion number 47, which we'll get to next week. So we are now caught up with Valor in the rotation. Yay, sweet. Uh, Issue 11 is a transition issue. Uh, Mark Wade wraps up most of the subplots from the first 10 issues and starts to tie the book in more closely with the other Legion books. Now, I I have to explain this, and it's going to get complicated, so (laughs) you might want to take a drink. Just Buckle up, kids. Buckle Buckle up. up, Yes. Okay, so there was an editor's note somewhere, and I'm not sure where. We'll find it eventually. That chronologically speaking, Valor number 11 to 13 take place prior to Legionnaires number 16, which we're not going to get to till early next year. And like I said, we just did issue six a couple weeks back. And then issues 14 through 19 of Valor, which we should finish up by the end of the year, the end of this year take place between pages 10 and 11 of Legionnaires number 16. <laughs> That's really I, specific. I, I, and I, I don't recall what's going on in 16, uh, but when we get there, I will remind you of this. Um, issue 16 is kind of the prelude to end of an era. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that, that's why issue 16 is, is specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically for the next eight issues of Valor, we'll cover them in publishing order, but not chronological order, because otherwise we'd have to stop reading Legionnaires number 16 on page 10, recap six issues of Valor, and then come back to page 11. Yeah, uh, that's not right. Wibbly, wibbly, yeah. wobbly, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. All right, so we open on SW6 Triad, Circa the future issue of Legionnaires number 16, who is mooning over the missing SW6 Valor. Uh, She's talking with Catspaw, who is not familiar with Valor. So Triad tells her his history, uh, how he seeded the worlds and then was banished into a ghostly limbo by Glorith before finally being released in the 30th century where he joined the Legion. She says a few weeks ago, Brainiac 5 sent him out in a time bubble on a mission into the past, and there's been no sign of him since. A few weeks ago? A few weeks ago. Okay. So that was, that was, that was 10 a months, while ago, yeah. That was 10 months ago, our time, back in Legion number 37. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells Catspaw how noble and compassionate he is. Uh, meanwhile, in the past, or simultaneously in the past, uh, we cut to Valor inside his ship, having woken up after collapsing at the end of last issue. Uh, he and Babbage decide to take the Green Lantern to Oa, but he's not being noble and compassionate when his heat vision and his super hearing and his strength go haywire. Mm. Uh, he gets the Green Lantern, who finally tells him her name is Aaliyah, to help him get the damaged ship through a meteor swarm. Meanwhile, on Oa, Kilowog is working with some new Green Lantern recruits, and Valor bungles his way into getting captured and subdued. Uh, He needs help getting the ship to land safely, but being a yellow ship, the Green Lanterns won't won't work on Pilgrim 1. He manages to set the ship down, crash land it, 
and rescue Aaliyah, leaving her with the other Green Lanterns, says he needs to get back to Docks to help him with his powers. Kilowog finally recognizes him from the Eclipso affair and then shows him that he has salvaged what he could from Pilgrim 1, and it's now a much smaller Pilgrim 2. Next stop, Cairn. And at the bottom of the last page, we see someone in a purple robe who looks kind of familiar but shouldn't be existing right now. Uh, the caption at the bottom reads, His name was Valor. He was the most powerful hero ever to roam the stars. His legacy would have spanned 10 centuries, inspiring a legion of young champions to galactic heroism. If only he had lived. Six issues that will six issues that will change history. DOA beginning next month. Okay. There you go. So so we are now up to date with Valor, and you will see Valor in the rotation. Uh we let's see, according to the spreadsheet, uh, (laughs) we will see him in a few issues. Uh let's see, what do we gotta do first? We gotta do Legion 47, and then the Bloodlines Annual, and then Legionnaire 7, and then we'll get to Valor number 12. There we go. All right, then. And I know you guys can't wait for Bloodlines. Oh, the greatest. Yeah, Yeah, best crossover ever. Yeah. All right, so. So this ends. Fine work, sir. This ends the uh, great Valor yada yada. Um. And I hope I have yada yada through the worst of it so that you didn't have to. So no one else had to, yes. So no one else had to. Uh, you could if you wanted to, but you didn't have to. Yeah. And uh, basically, I just wanted to recap it um, so that you know what happened to Valor, mm-hmm. so that we know what's coming up as we cover the issues like we normally will. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, yes. Very awesome. All right. Time for me to take a drink. Yes, yes please take a drink indeed. and uh, settle back because I, I did research, like I said I was going to, yeah. uh, on good old Joe Nah, our boy, <laughs> and his power problems. You ready for this, kids? Well, do you want to do that first, or you want me to do real quick uh, a, uh, pull, a straw poll I took? Sure, do a straw poll. So I asked the Legion of Substitute Podcaster listener base, does Jonah, uh, does he have to have one power active at any given time, or can he turn his powers off? And uh, I believe 25 voted, yes, he can turn his powers off, and 17 voted, no, he must have one power at a time uh, at any given time. So, Darren, what did your research turn out? Well, I- I'm taking dialogue and then data from source books. Um, because I find it very intriguing that Ultra Boy's powers did evolve over time, for sure. Well, originally it, he only had Pentravision, yeah, right? In the first appearance, he only had the Penetravision power, but that Penetravision could see through things and melt things. So technically, his Penetravision also is his Flash Vision. Right. He just switches which he wants to do. Uh, absolutely. And to be fair, at the time, Superman uh, did not have a separate heat vision and x-ray vision. They it used... was the x-ray melted thing. Yeah, was they, that they used the to case? Often... They used even to... by 
it back in the Silver Age, um, is like they used to always, whenever he used what we would now call heat vision, they would always reference the fact that that he would say the heat from my X-ray vision X-rays. is uh, is causing this to melt, um, because of course they had to tell you everything that they were doing. Um, but 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 but. The whole point yeah. of Pentravision is that it's not X-ray vision because you can see through lead. Yeah, that that's the gimmick is that yeah, ultraviolet but, 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 can uh, see through lead. But, but what I'm saying and, is, it, yeah. So so that's the that's the difference, and that's the thing that makes his power different. But what I'm saying is they were using the same principle that this thing must generate some heat, and yeah. uh, and and it was consistent with what they were doing with Superman at the time. Yeah, and, and back then, Superman's quote-unquote X-ray vision could not melt lead, which I think we can all agree that's that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it is his vision certainly can affect lead just like any other substance it comes into contact with. Yeah, he just can't see through it with his X-ray vision. Yeah. Um, in Adventure Comics three sixteen, in uh, a story called Renegade Superhero, we get the retelling of his origin. This is um, the next time he appears, I believe. Um, he tries to use his ultra energy in other ways, and he experiments after uh, his induction into the Legion for his penetravision powers. And he discovers that he can use um, his energy for ultra strength, ultra speed, ultra invulnerability, or ultra vision, but only one at a time. So, okay. So now we, we have met Superboy, and maybe we're just duplicating Superboy's powers with the energy. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting to me in a way. Because they needed to give Ultra Boy more to do. They didn't really have Monel yet. So they needed, you know, a Superboy-like character so that Superboy could have someone to talk to about being super, right? So, so you have Superboy be, and Ultra Boy. It'd yeah. be kind of odd to have a guy named Ultra Boy whose only power is just to see through stuff. Yep, yep. He wound, he'd have wound up like Matter Eater Lad. Mm, totally. But so, I, I really do like I, I really do like the the bit about he has all these powers, but he can only use them one at a time. Mm-hmm. That's a neat little. It is a nice. It's a nice vulnerability that pegs him down, so you can you can knock him out of a fight. It's 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 a, it, it's a know, great as opposed yeah. to dealing with Superman it, or Power Girl or someone like that. It's right? way better than being allergic to rocks. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, now I I then fast forwarded because there's there's a lot of stories and. I, I kind of tried to avoid things that might be or might not be in canon anymore, but we were talking about this version of Joe, the first run of Joe Nah. So I went back to the first time I saw him in a comic, and that was in Legionnaires Made for Burning. Yeah. And that, that is the story where Monel, Shady, Ultra Boy, and Dream Girl go rescue Karate Kid and Projectra um, because they're being held hostage by now King Ferox, who is going to kill them both and take over the crown. And Ultra Boy says, quote, let me try a new trick, a fast burst of my flash vision just for the microsecond it takes to melt their outer armor before the heat reaches their skin. And then I switch my ultra energy to a blast of ultra breath and their armor freezes but melted into immobility. So he has ultra breath, too, apparently. Um, so, and, yeah, and you, you, you I, raise I, an I, interesting point, because back in uh, Superboy and the Legion 253, um when they were going up against the uh, League of Super Assassins, mm-hmm. um, they're talking. He's talking about how he has to make that switch, 
and there and it's as though there is a moment in between like the there's a moment yeah exactly yeah and that's when new track strikes because uh because as he's about to change over his power um new track sees that as his way in yeah exactly and interestingly it means that his invulnerability also uh apparently shields him from mental attacks well oh yeah that that is not much there honestly right yeah that's I I, I do remember that coming up a time or two, or his invulnerability protects from from mental attacks. Yeah. Uh, but oh, right, that comes up in Legion Lost. That's like a specific thing that happens. His uh, there's that planet where there's a perception field where they mm-hmm. they they see one thing, but reality is another, and only Joe can see it because every time he goes invulnerable, he gets protection from <sighs> the right. perception field. Yes. But well, but that's is, is that Lost, the, is that's it, a different version. Right, it's a different yeah. version, but it Unless is a it's... new interpretation of the old power. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward just a couple of issues. Uh, Legion Annual Number One, where Ultra Boy, Phantom Girl, and Light Lass are pulling Ultra Boy's stuff out of storage because remember he was dead not too long ago. That's right. Yeah. And um, Ultra Boy is knocked unconscious when a room, quote unquote, blows up from everyday machines malfunctioning due to computer, and he says. The mini computer is blowing up and I can't switch. Ah, that's the quote. And there's an editor's box that says Ultra Boy was about to say, I can't switch from super strength to invulnerability fast enough since he can only use one power at a time. So we acknowledge that there is a a moment where if he's switching powers, the invulnerability is not automatic. It does not kick in. It's there's this neutral gear that he has where mm-hmm. his powers are off. Right, right, yeah. So he's got to dip the clutch, and he's got to move uh-huh. the gear shift, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. In order to get or, or his if you're, to go or if you're an elect- to go. Or if you're an electrician, it's uh, break before make. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. My yeah. only, my uh, only note it, here is that yeah. seems all very inconsistent over many stories. And, and, and well... Th- because well, usually it's not usually unusual, it's right? because usually it's treated at speed of thought. Basically, wow. it's, yeah, but this is Joe. <sighs> I mean, and you I, know, I he's this. sitting there thinking, "I don't have time to switch." Instead of you know switching, <laughs> switching. Of, <laughs> well, remember in the last thing, he talks about what he's doing. So there's this time while he's talking, where he's taking actions at the same time. So he blasts those guards with the flash vision. Right. Takes a moment and then switches to the breath freeze power. So that makes sense, but he wasn't under yeah. attack at that point. Right. What happens in the computer scene is Phantom Girl is attacked by this vacuum cleaner, and she can't react quick enough to phase through it before it sucks all the oxygen out of her lungs and she goes unconscious. So one, Ultra Boy's distracted because yeah. he cares yeah. about Phantom Girl, and then everything blows up. Well, Phantom Girl, that's interesting that Phantom Girl also gets hit before she can activate her powers. Because, again, that's another case where I would think it would be the speed of thought. Think about Computo and Brainiac attacking the Justice League. It's quick. They can move at the speed of, uh, you know, processing power. Right. That's why Joe should be in super speed constantly, and then he can think faster. And there's also, you know, they're they're being caught by surprise. I mean, yeah. arguably at this stage, should they be uh, sort that's, of always... That's the gaming thing about having a surprise round, right? Yeah. Where you, you're you not expecting an attack, you're just moving boxes into your quarters again. 
Yeah. You know, although they should expect an attack inside Legion HQ at all times because we've been over that. That's well, <laughs> well formed territory. Now, we go back to what brought this whole thing up, which was uh, the Legion number two in the five year later where yeah. Ultra Boy and the Assassin are talking. And just to go over that scene, Ultra Boy says, just a little taste of flash vision because he set one of their heads on fire. And the, one of the Assassins says, Joe Nod, then you did survive. And Ultra Boy says, that's why they call it invulnerability, pal. And Assassin says, but but how did you know to use it? Ultra Boy says, I don't drop it needlessly, or didn't you check into that before you went butchering God knows how many innocents? And I had I had to write down, honestly, it's the first any of us are hearing about this, so no, uh, the, the Assassins didn't know about that. Here's what I think happened, and this is conjecture. After Ultra Boy leaves the Legion, the universe gets dark, he goes underground to run the smuggling corps, yeah. and at that point, he puts the invulnerability on all the time. Because, because yeah. he's now running in the Rimbor gang again, and that is going to lead to attempts on his life from all kinds of people. The government, other smugglers, yada yada. He's well aware. He's in constant danger. Yeah, yeah. Um, more so than he was when he was a legionnaire, I think, yeah. honestly. Yeah. All right, that's, that's, that's kind of the way that I was thinking about it, too. Um, the reason that he never did it, that he never had it on by default before was because he didn't need to. Yep. He's, you know, he's always in Legion headquarters or surrounded by Legionnaires. Um, and he just never needed that extra layer of protection being that, involved. That, ex, that extra oomph. And, right? and, and much like the, the, the writers before that, it had never, maybe it, it just hadn't occurred to him. Well, there, right, there's like, that you know True. the 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 idea of of leaving a, a power on all the time you know it, it is maybe maybe it just hadn't occurred to him it certainly doesn't seem to have occurred to any of the writers before it was mentioned there so. now i also went into the mayfair dc heroes to look at that because yeah. i'm like what does the role-playing game say about this ultra yeah. boys powers and how, how does that roll out so there's certain types of actions you can take as a player when you're playing a game, and some of them are automatic actions, and some of them are dice actions right. when you play DC Heroes. An automatic action is something that's intrinsically a reflexive action. So you you can, if you have like super speed or something, you can take an action that doesn't involve dice really quickly. Like Flash is like, I'm going to run up the stairs. That's kind of an automatic action right, for him yeah. because it doesn't require any effort and he's not doing anything against anyone. If you're using an active power to attack someone, that is a dice action. Or if you're affecting the, the environment somehow, that's going right. to, you have to fight something on, that's a dice action. So in Ultra Boy's write-up, moving his energy, quote unquote, from one power set to another is an automatic action. And he gets one dice action per round. So let's say I'm playing as Ultra Boy and I'm fighting against Validus and I need to turn on my super strength to lift something, you know, to uh, punch Validus with it, right? Yeah. Like, a, like a cruiser or something. So I do that, but I put my invulnerability down. I don't have invulnerability. And so I can't switch it again in that round. I'm, I'm stuck at super strength for the right. entire round. Validus blasts me, I go unconscious because I'm not invulnerable to lightning at that point, right? So that's kind of how 
it works because switching his power is kind of a reflex, but also kind of not a reflex. Right, because there is still he has the to decision. be able to like see something coming at him and react, and he needs to have enough time to do that. So unless he's in super speed, he doesn't have the time. Right, because nothing is is moving at a slow pace. In, in so, that game, what is, does super speed give you? Any like action bonuses? Yeah, you yeah. like you get two dice actions or what you, have you? You typically get to go first around automatically. Right. Yeah, so you you get to decide what you're going to do before anyone else decides what they're going to do. And then you get to take your actions based upon everyone's got to kind of announce what they're doing. Right. And then you go in reverse order of the initiative. So the person who is the fastest is going to do it first, but they're going to declare what they're doing last after everyone's already said what they're going to do. Right. So that the fastest player can <clears throat> basically work off of what everyone else has said. And once you say it, you're committed. That's what you're going to do. Hmm. So. It makes sense for Joe as a character to have that energy kind of in a neutral gear. So, I mean, because a character whose powers are always on, like Cyclops, his power is always on. Right. 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 The only thing that stops his powers from coming out is the ruby crystal over his uh, eyes or his eyelids. That's it. His power is always on. So Ultra Boy's energy is not always on is the issue here. Uh, a legionnaire with their power always on would be block. He's super dense all the time and you can't do anything about it. That's just who block is. He's a right. block, but his power of telepathy with other silicon creatures is not always on. Right. So it's kind of works like that. So in my mind, ultra boy, this is kind of decided where he has a neutral gear where his powers are not on at all, but in a dystopian future, where his life is most likely more in danger and he doesn't have legionnaires to back him up and he's dealing with the underground, he's always keeping his invulnerability up. That's but it, do, it does imply, though, that once his power is on, he doesn't really need to concentrate to maintain it. Yeah. Right. Except yeah, yeah. Concentrate to move it. Right. Yeah. Which I always thought would be an interesting uh, situation if Joe got knocked unconscious, but he had just turned his invulnerability on. And so now no one can actually like wake him up. No, well, then he, he wouldn't be, except for radiation, which is one of his weaknesses. Yes, he yeah, is. Yes, in he, in yeah. uh, in the who's who, um, and this is the loose leaf who's who. Yep. Uh, for Joe Nah, um, it says Joe's body under powers and weapons. Joe's body has been irradiated with the power of an ultra energy beast, and he now has the ability to transfer that energy to his eyes at will for flash vision and penetravision, to his muscles for super strength and super speed, to his throat and lungs for ultra breath, and to his skin and immune system for invulnerability. I like that as a... As no, a uh, no mention of flight, because he also has flight. Okay, I'm, I'm getting, um, I'm, we're getting there, we're getting no, there. there isn't, no. No, um, on the second page it says external thrust. By focusing his energy. Oh yeah, so you're going from the game thing, right? Yeah, the yeah. game thing. Joe, yeah, Joe so can achieve ultra speed flight. It doesn't list flight on in this. Interesting. Just, they call it ultra speed flight in in the well, game I'm, terms. Well, I'm, th I'm thinking they're calling that's also his super speed power. Right. You know. So 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 they're combining his super speed with flight. That's because yeah. it. See, that's where this all started. Is because in my mind, mm -hmm. you can't combine flight with super speed when you're Joe. You can only kind of like. Flight. Well. 
again, this is this is a gaming system, right? So yes. Yeah. So they, they're they're going to answer the pedantic questions of can he use his super speed and flight at the same time, uh, which is a good question because we've always considered them two separate powers. But Joe uses his flight ring, right? Yeah. Right. He doesn't need to use his flight yeah. because he's got his ring. Yeah. Exactly. So he uses the super speed to move that along. So hang I mean, on a sec. So so yeah, they don't mention flight at all in this one. Um, it, it just says that um, to his skin and an immune system from invulnerability, he remains vulnerable, however, to certain types of radiation and has extreme difficulty seeing through the alloy inertron. Yep. Um, um, and then it just gets into his scrappy uh, Rimborian fighting style. Yeah, his, I mean, uh, his his entry in the 2985 source book, which is again written to the Mayfair yeah, um, yeah. Uh, gaming system, says his powers include flight, heat vision, microscopic vision, power reserve, sealed systems. I don't know what that is. The heck is uh, that? that? Sealed systems means that you are not affected by the vacuum of outer space. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, skin armor, super breath. Super speed, systemic antidote, that telescopic that, that goes with invulnerability as well. Yeah. yeah telescopic vision and x-ray vision. Uh, he's got a few skills, his limitations. He can only use one of his powers at a time. Uh, miscellaneous power reserve uh, can only be used to augment strength and body. Mm-hmm. Um, and miscellaneous, he cannot use his x-ray vision on inertron. And I just want to uh, uh, read this one thing from the uh, the Legion Groupie, which was a um, uh, a fan magazine. Uh, uh, the entry on Ultra Boy, you know, they here's a uh, a sheet to fill out with all these questions. Um, and one of the questions is, if you could change one thing about yourself, it would be what? And Joe says, more brains. <laughs> well, I mean. They also they also point out that in in later renditions of this, when it's revealed that Joe has been acting in order to keep Glorith off of his scent for his role and everything, um, they gave they gave him a another skill actor and uh, and more um, subterfuge type skills as well. Yeah, his, his skills here are detective, gadgetry, medicine scientist thief and vehicles uh-huh. but then there's a uh, a writing from glorith um who says that uh, uh i still can't believe that muscle-headed henpecked lug nut was the one who unraveled all my plans all my dreams yep uh i never suspected my nemesis could be this over virile crow magnon <laughs> So while I wasted my time studying the futures of Dream Girl, Saturn Girl, Brainiac 5, Sweet Valor, and the few other formidable intellects in the Legion, Ultra Boob sneaks around, deduces Ultra my plans, boob. and unravels them. Yep. It, actually, that's probably Joe's best storyline, honestly. What, meddling? Just, the, the whole thing that they retconned the, the, jump, the dumb jock persona as him covering for the fact that he is taking out the time trapper basically on his own, you know? So I think that's just brilliant of of that rewrite. Yeah. Um, I I will. A great bit. Like just the idea that, that, 
you know, this was his way of making sure that uh, that everyone stayed safe. I mean, that wasn't entirely in a vacuum. I mean, we've had other stories about Joe having to go off on his own and solve problems on yeah. his own. Yeah. He like like the most you know notorious one would be that Starlin story where he's a uh, he's accused of murder and he runs right. off trying to find the real killer. I, just just to read this one more thing about the ultra energy in the gaming system, um, he can only use one of his powers, quote unquote, at a time, depending upon what part of his body is infused with ultra energy. It takes an automatic action for Joe to shift his energy from one area to another. Since only one dice action is allowed per phase, Joe could not punch someone with his strength, then shift to flash vision and burn another opponent. He could, however, blow away a squad of approaching dominators with his ultra breath, then shift to invulnerability to de- to deflect incoming attacks. Um, so he would have already had to have had the energy into his breath. See, it's all about the order in which you're taking the, right. the, the turn in, right? And what you already have lined up. But if you're going to move from invulnerability to something else, you would be vulnerable for the next round. Right. Right. And I think that works for a gaming mechanic and it works for him as a character that you can write too. Uh, just just a note, because I was curious, I did some quick oh. research. Uh, so the Legion of Superheroes, of course, were introduced in 1958. Apparently, uh, Heat Vision became its own thing in 1961. So they were still yep. they were still paired up at the time. I did not know that. Yep. Although I guess I probably should have checked when Ultra Boy was first introduced. Actually, that would have been actually more. Um, it, it, it was, um, I think, 19... 19- 50 still it was early uh oh actually it was in 62 so it'll be a a year later so yeah he was um he was one of the early on like Starboy. you know they had these legionnaires that would appear in these one-off stories as the only legionnaire in the book Mm -hmm. and then they would be folded into the the club later yeah, yeah. That's what happened with Ultra Boy and Starboy. That's why getting the continuity of who joined when in that early Silver Age is well, really I, difficult. I was more curious about when uh, X-ray vision and heat vision became yeah. two separate powers. Uh, more questions than answers is what it was come, <laughs> come out to. Well, I think that maybe they got tired of explaining how X-rays would melt things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think also at some point they decided they weren't actually X-rays because then everyone would have cancer, and that's not good. <laughs> yeah yeah that's the dr manhattan thing right yeah yeah jamie cancer oh so yeah good times <laughs> which is probably why laurie smoke anyway yes just a guess just a guess so but yeah that's that's the word on ultra boy he's got to take a minute to switch and if he doesn't get that moment yeah he could be screwed totally it's legit. Well, that's awesome. See, it was pro- science, it was, kids. It was probably harder in the Silver Age when you had to exposit all of your actions. Probably. Yeah, exactly. It takes time. It does. It takes a lot. Got to give the speech. Mm-hmm. Oh, and no. Now, for my next trick. Well, we were even sitting there in the early 80s with uh, with him saying, I don't have time to switch. Well, I mean, in his in his defense, that Legion Annual number one was a gatekeeper, kind of a, an invite 
readers into the Legion oh, story. 100%, so 100%. There's a lot of exposition about, you know, thanks, Lightlass, for helping us get these boxes out. You know, it's easy when they're super lightweight. You know, yeah. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I'm just using they, my power to make things lighter. <laughs> it, it would be like, hey, Paul, that's a great guitar you're playing. It's like, yes, I've learned to play the guitar since I became a musician. It's like, it's such dumb things that these characters are saying to each other. Yeah, yeah. But they are necessary for a new reader to yeah. go, oh, that's what they do. Okay. And, yeah, you know, yeah it's like, it's, you know, th thanks, Light Last, who I would normally call Ayla, but for some Ayla. reason I'm not right now. Exactly. <laughs> We're on duty. Strictly uh, business. You said duty. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. There's, uh, <laughs> Tom, Tom Bierbaum has a long essay on Ultra Boy, but doesn't talk anything about the, uh, his powers or, you know, keeping any of Mon by default, like what we're talking about. And it's too long to recap. Yeah, I, I consider Ultra Ultra Boy's biggest and best outside of Legion appearances is Ben 10. Huh. Because Ben 10's got 10 different powers, yeah. quote-unquote. They can use one at a time. You know, it's it's that kind of same limitation. It's kind of cool. And I, and to be, if I, I'm not a big Ben 10 fan, but I am aware that in like, you know, your big climatic moment, moments, you can take the limiter off and actually use all the powers at once. Ah, that's cool. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of you. I think I watched like the first season or something. Yeah. Off and on. I, I, yeah. On. Apparently, apparently it's actually, his device is actually broken and that's oh. why he can only use one at a time. Well, that makes sense. Still, it's a no, good limit. It's a good limitation. Ultra Boy is broken because that yes. makes so much sense. <laughs> if, if Joe ever used all his powers at once, he'd just kill everything. He would. I, I found it also funny. I, I found uh, something else where uh, in that 288 issue when I was when I was researching, you know, Projector and Karate Kid are you know tied up, and the the flames are going, and Ferox says something like, "Blast it! I'll kill them myself." And this uh, character called the Baroness says, uh, King you may be, but executioner you are not. It is writ in our laws. Mm. Now, doesn't that shed a new light on the whole projector killing Nemesis Kid thing? Yeah. Just saying, y'all. Just saying. You know, I had a weird thought about, like, Ultra Boy's powers. Like, what if he can use all his powers at once, but he can only do it once? <laughs> That's that's the that's the erg one trick right there. There's one or, weird trick. Or the daffy duck. Daffy uh, duck. <laughs> but I can only do it once. <laughs> so he blows himself to kingdom come. <laughs> well, you know, you aren't the only one um, that uh, that that did a little uh, a little digging. Uh, did you do some digging, uh, sir? No, 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 no. I didn't. Good God, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about to say you were in the backyard all weekend. You had but I think opportunity I, to dig, you know. To bring this all back to the original conjecture, I think we've concluded that yes, Joe can in fact lift weights and get ripped. Yes, yeah, I would say yes to that. Proof. Although he's pretty ripped in his first appearance, he's definitely like high school jock in that first appearance. He's not nebbish Clark Kent. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, yeah, chest out, arms are thick, yeah. Let's go win it for the team, Marla. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of a thing. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Howard Madnick uh, wrote in. And oh. um, and so this was commenting on episode 657. Um, 
and he said, while I agree the early Legion mostly had three personality types, boy, girl, Saturn girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He says, I do recall shrinking Violet living up to her shy vi and even skittish characterization as you debated in episode 657. Uh, my first Legion read was Adventure 321, in which a disguised time trapper tested the Legionnaires to see if they could keep from him the secret of the Concentrator, a super weapon that now seems like the beta version of the Miracle Machine. I like the idea of that, by the way. Um, he's, and it says, when he tested Vi with a projection of monsters, hey, it was the 60s, she cracked and started telling the disguised TT how to build a Concentrator. But fortunately, she also shrank so small he couldn't hear her. The other Legionnaires acquitted themselves a bit better, and he actually sent the page. And uh, um, oh. and yeah, she's a little nervous uh, through it. And um, she got better. She got better. Take, yeah. Take um, he says also pertaining to issue six fifty seven. The image of Joe, Lar, and Cal trying to penetrate. Hey now, uh, the hey, hey, hey. the Iron Curtain of Time. He says Joe isn't flying. He's using his ultra invulnerability while Cal is holding on to him. And of course, oh. they they tell us that. Um, and uh, of course, they aren't able to get in. Um, he says, and let's not forget when he was dumped in the time of uh, Superboy, i.e., the time of the man when he was a boy. Love it. Uh, in the early days of the Reflecto Saga, 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 saga. he tried to ultra-speed his way through the time barrier, but the air friction was too much for his vulnerable body, uh, which casts some doubt on the idea of residual uh, invulnerability while other powers are active. So, of course, he decided to use a nuke to give himself a speed boost. Like you do. (laughs) (laughs) He says, well, even Darren will agree. Joe's no Einstein. No, no, he's not. God love him, bless his heart. <laughs> Says, love your work. You keep producing. I'll keep listening. Yeah, thank you, Howard. Thank, thank you for uh, for adding to the uh, to to the whole thing, and with a couple of other examples. Yeah, I mean, Violet. They really didn't need to have a personality. They were just using her name. I guess so what does drinking Violet do? Yeah, it was right there. Yeah. So, so four personality types: boy. Girl, Saturn Girl, and Violet. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, also, oh, and Brainiac Five because he's a dick at times. Exactly. Well, he, sorry, he, this mission is far too that's far too dangerous, dangerous for, a for girl, girl. Saturn yeah, Girl. Yeah, but you know that's all that's genetic, right? I mean, totally. it turns out his ancestor, um, Real Docs, also a bit of a dick. Also a dick. Yes, it's true. Yeah. Vril Docs is a jerk. Um, says, <laughs> said Kitty Pride. Said Kitty Pride, exactly. Um, we talked uh, a, a few weeks back about XS mm-hmm. and her background. Yep. Now, because um, um, we were so- confused about what her racial makeup was. Yeah, correct? exactly. Now, um, but uh, so uh, Matthew Elmsley uh, wrote in uh, uh, with the subject Asian Legionnaires. He said, I did a search to try uh, to establish excesses, ethnic origins and failed. I do mm. believe she is supposed to be of Asian Indian descent, though. I just can't find anything that says so. I found the same thing. And there was a, a, one thing that had like an image of, of her father. 
Mm-hmm. And they've kind of emphasized the straight hair. Not okay. def- not definitive by any means, but given at the time, if it had been if if, if it had just been him as a black man, they would have probably gone Afro. Probably, yeah. Like Jacques. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, like Jacques Absolutely. Or Tyrock yeah. or yeah. yeah, so but it doesn't say. Um, mm-hmm. that's just, you know, and again, maybe that's a problem is, uh, but I think given the time that it was drawn, um, probably intended as, uh, as Matthew says to be of, uh, of, of Indian descent. Um, and, but he points out there is also monster boy, AKA Arun Singh. He says, I think we're on firm ground with him. So there we go. Yeah. Another Legionnaire there. And didn't, um, didn't somebody ask Jeff Moy about that? Was it Travis, maybe? Yeah. And, and Jeff said that she was supposed to be biracial, half black. But he said he wasn't sure. So. Well, I, 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 I mean, would tend she to was take, a character he drew like 25 years ago. So. You know. Yeah, but he co-created her. So I would uh, at least give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, I found her on the website um, um, Black Superheroes, I think, or the Museum of Black Superheroes. But I think they also have um, other racial characters on there, too. It's just, like, non-white characters. So um, I couldn't find anything on their website to say that she was definitively of African origin or not. Uh, Jeff's so. response was, I believe he's Black Tom I know for sure. Oh, well, maybe when we get Tom McCraw and we there can we ask go. him that. There we go. Yep. All right. So uh, anyway, um, that just one of those interesting things, you know. Hey, you know, and uh, uh, these are these are things that are the that weren't necessarily thought of at that point in history. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but that's okay because we can track them along with other things that might have happened this week in Legion history. Michael? And not only this week, but last week, since we ran yes. over in our talk with Al. Yes. Boy, howdy. So, with, with no further ado, uh, this week in Legion history, and last week, 55 years ago, uh, May 26, 1966, Adventure Comics number 346, the Legion gets a new writer as Jim Shooter presents a story in which we get four new Legionnaires, but as the title says, one of us is a traitor. Take a drink. And- Thank you. And you go all the way back to episode 50 for that one. 50 years ago, 1971, June 3rd, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 140. It reprints the world of doomed Olsons from issue 72, where it looks like an alien has kidnapped Jimmy to study all of his wacky forms, like Tree Jimmy, Monster Jimmy, Wolfman Jimmy, Porcupine Jimmy, and Fat Jimmy. But it turns out to be just the Legionnaires who are hazing him for his initiation as an honorary Legionnaire. Take a drink. Take a drink. All the way back in episode 22. 30 years ago, May 28th, 1991, uh, the Loose Leaf Who's Who in the DC Universe number 11. uh, We saw the Legion subs get their entry. The Legion supporting cast, which was one page featuring Calorie Queen, King John, Loomis, Marte Allen, Ron Vidar, and Siobhan Aaron, and the Wanderers. 
25 years ago, May 29th, 1996, was the preview for Final Night. And with this preview, it was actually a new six-page story that did not appear in issue one. And it was not reprinted until they collected um, the whole uh, miniseries together. Ah. So this is a preview of the upcoming miniseries. Uh, you remember that the reboot Legion, uh, half of them were stuck for a time in the 20th century, yeah. and they coincide with Final Night. Uh, so this preview had new story and new art. In this preview, a new character named Dusk visits New Tamaran to warn them of the Sun Eater. As the Tamaranians launch a suicide mission against the Sun Eater, Coriander helps Dusk escape in her ship to warn the next planet in the Sun Eater's path, which is Earth. Ultimately, New Tamaran is destroyed, but Coriander, a.k.a. Starfire, was able to survive aboard her small scout ship. And we will probably get to Final Night sometime in the first quarter of 2024. And, Darren, do you recall why there was a new Tamaran at this point? What happened to old Tamaran? Old Tamaran got killed off, basically, um, in uh, a new Teen Titans issue in the Baxter run. I forget yeah. the circumstances around it. I forget if it was Blackfire or what. But I know it was around the time Starfire was supposed to marry this guy, not Nightwing. But somebody else, because arranged marriages are the thing on Tamaran. Yes. Um, but then something caused the planet to blow up. I want to say it was Blackfire or the Citadel, but I'm not sure which. So they lost old Tamaran, and then they lost new Tamaran. So yeah. is there a Tamaran 3? I, I think new Tamaran, I think that whole storyline is uh, retconned out. Oh, okay. Along with evil Raven raping Starfire at her wedding. Um, cause there, there was a lot like Donna Troy and her kid and Terry long. There's a lot of stuff in that Baxter Titans run that just is not good. No, it was I, messy. I love, I love the Titans, but Same. dang, there was, I think the Royal flush gang story is the most pivotal in that run outside of the terror of dragon wrap up. That is not like could be retconned out. Because it's just, it's just an awful run. Wait, it, and I, I hate to say that. It um, it was an awful run. The but okay, so this is um, yeah. So it's post Titans Hunt, where um, Vic has um, merged his con consciousness oh. with Technus. He's Technus Cyborg at that and, point. And yeah. uh, is reunited with his former teammates just while um, an evil version of Raven has tried to destroy her good soul, which lay dormant in the body of Starfire. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, evil Raven incites a conflict in the Vagan star system and with the Tamaranian fleet and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And... Um, so it was after when I thought it was for sure. Well, so. well after I thought it was, I thought it was around that time with, uh, with what's his name as well. When, when, okay. uh, uh, but the difference was at the time that, that she and, um, Blackfire ended up be, basically calling a truce. And, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, so, so this is when it happened is that, um, the Scions, uh, the the attack by the Scions, um, 
caused the core of Tamarind to implode, consuming the entire planet and whoever remained on it. As a result, Tamarind was destroyed along with the Technus. Yeah, and I remember JLA versus Titans where Starfire's fantasy was that her family was back and Tamarind had been destroyed. So I I knew it had happened prior to that occurring. So So you're not going to believe how unlucky these people are. (laughs) Their original homeworld was destroyed. Yep. Their new homeworld was destroyed. Yep. They found another homeworld, and that was destroyed in our worlds at war. Hey, when that happens. Right. I, I, I wish I could say I'm surprised, but I'm not, because it, it's a world that comic book followers will know, and it will have impact with a character who's very emotional and easy to set off, yeah. according to her yeah. history. So it, it has automatic drama and impact and blah, blah, blah. But... It's the same thing when they when they destroyed the JLA satellite twice in Crisis. Yeah, because they forgot that they did it already. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like, oops, we forgot we did that. Um, sorry. Um, it's like, yeah, Tamar- Tamaran sounds like Swamp Castle. Built the first yeah. one, the it, first fell one it fell over. Yeah. Oh, but the drink. fourth one, that one survived. Yeah, I, I. I this is the point where I am in favor of reboots because I, I think the new teen Titans characters are great characters, but it just got messy. <laughs> it got like, why have you, have you ever seen the movie in and out? Yeah. It's, it's a quote unquote gay movie, but um, in and out has a scene where Joan Cusack is at the bar after she's been left at the altar because her groom is gay. And she wants to have sex with a straight guy because she's been waiting and dieting for like five years to be the perfect bride. Yeah. And he's accidentally sitting next to another gay man in the middle of like podunk, wherever they are. And she just screams, is everybody gay? Um, It's kind of that kind of a meltdown when I think about that era of Titans, because it's like, all I want is a good story. Is everyone evil? is everyone evil? Jericho's evil? Raven's evil? I mean, we always knew Raven was a little bit evil. That's part of her origin. I get it. But she was never like that. Yeah, yeah. She was never like heavy metal goddess S&M. Like evil light. Like Mary Marvel's 52 outfit was taken from Raven in the 90s. That whole dominatrix outfit. It's like, holy crap. It's like evil share. What the <laughs> hell's going on here? And I mean, Ch- Changeling's ineffectual. Cyborg, you can't tell he's a black character anymore because he's all metal now at one point in, in the Titans run. And he's and, sometimes gold. Yeah, and, and gold. And Nightwing has a mullet and he's got an evil counterpart. And Mirage raped Nightwing so many times by pretending that he she was Starfire. It it is a messy as f run, okay. Yeah. And they should have canceled that book around like issue fifty and said let's let them rest because they need to rest. Because and unfortunately, I think Marv Wolfman said he was having writer's block issues. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh right? yeah. Well, there there was a lot of stuff did... later on that was uh, that was all Jonathan Peterson basically. Yeah. <laughs> but before they did like Titans Hunt, they should have said pull the tr- pull the break. Let's let's just let this end. 
let's let's do a good story. Let's leave them on a high, and then let's let's yeah. end it because it's not a successful book anymore. But it was just bad, and I don't like to say that because I love Marv Wolfman as a writer. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's the first to admit it was not his finest. It's not his best work. So, but it hurts my heart when we have characters who have been like. They they've had so much done to them, and that's one of the advantages of of the first Legion run, where not a lot's happened to all of them. You know, when you think about it, they've had one or two major storylines, mm-hmm. but it's not like they married a guy who then and then they had two kids and then they were all killed in a car wreck off panel Ugh. because we didn't want to deal with that marriage anymore. And I don't, I don't know any Legionnaire who's had <laughs> wait, five separate origins. I, I'm, I'm you know? sorry. Wait, wait, Derek. Are you saying the DC's? <laughs> yep, I said it. That DC's uh, shepherding of the character of Donna Troy has been faulty. I'm saying that they don't shepherd um, the character actually. of Donna Troy at all. I'm um, actually. There's no shepherding involved at all, sir, because they made her a dark star because they thought that would get people over to the dark star book. And then they made her Green Lantern's girlfriend for some reason. Because they thought that would work, too. Yep. They just kept throwing everything at the wall. There's just so much about Donna Troy. Donna Troy is such an interesting study in when a, in when a, a character is owned by a company and the character is popular, but the company has no clue yeah. what to do with her. And especially when a character is made by a mistake. Let's let's not forget. Yeah. Donna Troy's a mistake. Yeah. From the beginning. And then yeah. and then they they removed her uh her source, then, basically, and they're like, yeah. Oh god, what do we do now? Well, my favorite one is, hey, we'll have Wonder Girl in the Teen Titans book. Sure thing. Put Wonder Girl in the Teen Titans book. What do you mean Wonder Girl's the same person as Wonder Woman? Yeah. What? Again, people not talking. And that's that's one of the fun and yet frustrating things about a shared universe when you have authors writing and they're not paying attention to what's going on in the other books. Because yeah. all those Wonder Girl and Wonder Tot stories are all Diana as a baby and as a young girl. So they had to invent Donna Troy because they couldn't have Robin walking around with Wonder Woman as a girl when Wonder Woman's in the Justice League with Batman. Yeah. That that no make it no sense. You know what I'm saying to you? So, yeah, good times. Meanwhile, you know, Starfire, it's like, oh, let's open up the herb cabinet. Yeah, call her Coriander. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. That's anyway, exactly where they got that from. Everyone should anyway. take a drink because uh, that's – we we just went off on one hell of a tangent Heights there. Because yeah, aren't we cast. aren't we in the middle of this week in Legion history? We are still in the middle of that. Yeah, but I but I asked what happened to. Uh, he asked Cameron. a question, yeah. and I am going to answer that fucking question. <laughs> that will teach you to ask me questions, sir. It blew An up. Hour it blew later, up I'm real good. How, I'm going to tell you how Donny, Danny Chase's phantasm was the best goddamn thing to happen in that Baxter run. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, that'll be for. We'll do that on Titans Cast. Boy, howdy. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, the same day as the final night preview uh, was Legion number 82. Starboy returns to his homeworld with several Legionnaires to plead his case to remain with the Legion. But they fight the local heroes, the uncanny amazers, to secure Starboy's Legion membership. Back at headquarters, Ultra Boy isn't feeling so well. And it's beginning to seem like he's being haunted. But by whom? I thought you were about to say it's beginning to seem it's a lot like Christmas. But no. 
And so uh, expect uh, this issue of the reboot in late 2023. Yay! 15 years ago, May 24th, 2006, 52, week three, uh, the Legion appears in a flashback as the aforementioned Donna Troy tells the post-infinite crisis history of the DC universe, uh, in particular, Earths 1 and 2. And do you know uh, why she was the one telling that story? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? I had s pretty much stopped reading at this point, but I remember that, like, wasn't she given some magical costume or something when DC changed its logo? Well, they, they did that, but there was another reason why they had her do it. Did she get booted out of, like, was she, like, unstuck from time or something? Go, go back to Crisis. Right. And the origin of Harbinger. Oh. Harbinger is the Earth 2 version of Donna Troy. Oh. Uh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and right. what's, what's even funnier is her name is Lila, and yet Lyda Trevor is Fury. So they they were trying desperately to connect Harbinger into the Amazons. Yeah, Harbinger is an Amazon. That's a thing. I didn't that's actually. A, I did not that actually know that. That's a thing in Superman, Batman. That's a thing. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, there you go. Yep. So anyway, the uh, the fifty two series takes place between the end of Infinite Crisis and the one year later issue that came next, and in publishing for the Legion, that was in between. Three Boot Legion number 15 and Supergirl and Legion number 16, mm -hmm. which had instead of one year later logo on the cover, it said 1,001 years later. Yep. So the, um, the subs covered only up to issue 14, and it That's is not clear yet how <laughs> we will cover Infinite Crisis or 52 yet. To be fair, but, that's a good place to stop. Uh, See, but, there you go. No when they end your runs. <laughs> Look for it maybe in like 2028 or 2029. So we got a few years to, to go for that one. There you go. Uh, the same day, Legion of Superheroes, Death of a Dream trade paperback. It was uh, the second of the three boot collections, reprinting issues 7 through 13. Um, also on the same day, Supergirl and the Legion number 18. Where did Supergirl come from? What happened to Brainiac 5? What did he do with Dream Girl's body? Who is Dream Boy? Plus, which of the Legionnaires has a secret identity as a science police officer? And we'll get to the three boot in like 2028 or so. Yeah, all those questions answered in six years. Uh, seven. No, Maybe eight. six. Seven. 2028? Well, I mean, we're halfway through 2021 now. So. Oh, my God, God you're we're right. still going to be doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then uh, the next week, 52... ask me another Donna Troy question. Go ahead, I dare you. I dare you. <laughs> Fifty-two, week four, the Legion appears in a flashback as somebody retells the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, Ten years ago, June first, two thousand eleven, Adventure Comics number five twenty-seven, spotlight on Comet Queen who recounts her origin and history to a young Glorith. And that was episode 141. Five years ago, DC Universe Rebirth number one. It all begins here. Do not skip to the last page. Do not let a friend or message board ruin this comic for you. Spoiler the, alert. It the was future, a watch. 
The future and past of the DC universe starts here. Don't say we didn't warn you. And Saturn Girl mysteriously appears. Yeah. Uh, also, on that same day in 2016, The Flash by Jeff Johns Book 2 trade paperback uh, reprints, among other things, DC First Flash Superman Number 1 from 2002, in which Superman races Jay Garrick through time and space, and a version of Cosmic Boy has a cameo. Uh, finally, June 1st, 2016, Legends, uh, 30th anniversary. Uh, Cosmic Boy appears, and you can go back and listen to Legends in episodes 324, 326, 329, 334, 337. And then, for some reason, we waited almost a year till 381 to get to the last issue. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, 945 years from now, uh, Druracept, Infectious Last, will have been going to have been born. So, happy... <laughs> Happy negative 945th birthday. Yay. Happy don't don't catch a cold day. Uh, 960 years from now, May 29th, 2981, Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel are married on Mars. Afterwards, the Legion saves the bride from Starfinger. Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel resign to become reservists. Monel asks Superboy to rejoin. Uh, you remember he had resigned. Uh, so that the Super Pets and Supergirl could stay members mm -hmm. when they hit their upper limit. And uh, Light Last, Lightning Lad, and Shadow Last get new costumes. I think we missed something. What did we what miss? Did we Darren. What? When he yes. says the name. That's right, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was actually concentrating uh, on something I'm working on here. Sorry, he, um, he, sa he saves the bride from... Oh, Starfinger! <laughs> Thank you, I, I forgot. Uh, that, of course, was... I, I forgot, too, actually. So that, of course, was Superboy 200, and that was in episode 260. Didn't didn't you or Travis post that the cover to that issue is, like, for sale on the Heritage Auction site right now? Uh, yes, it is. If that, you guys... If, if all the members, if everybody who listens to this episode chips in, like... $150 for me to get it for my birthday present. That'll probably hit the eventual selling point. If you chip in $1 and you get five friends to chip in $1 and they each five, five friends to chip in $1. <laughs> but, uh, so this is a Nick Cardi cover and most recently, um, one sold for about $35,000. It was a Batman versus man bat cover not a Legion cover, but this is a kind of pretty key issue. Mm -hmm. So I'm expecting uh, north of $30,000 for this one. But my birthday is in August if anybody is feeling extra generous. And you can contact me offline for, uh, for my right. address. Leo or, hold on, Leo or Virgo, Michael? Leo. Of course. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh <laughs> June 1st, 2981, Colossal Boy and Shrinking Violet are lost in an asteroid field. Wildfire joins the Legion, who encounters Devilfish, which is an intelligent amphibious ocean creature that subsists on pollution. And that was Superboy 201, which we covered in episode 263. And then finally, 970 years from now, 
Uh, in the five years later timeline, 2991, a rehabilitated Mech Rans is released from Labyrinth to continue his therapy on an outpatient basis mm -hmm. where he joins Garth and Emma at their farm on Winnap. Nice. That, was, that was revealed in Legion Volume 4, Number 10. And you can listen to that recap in Episode 66 or when we redid it in 564. Mm. And then the next day in 2991, uh, Crystal Kid, Echo, and Rimborian champion Reflecto join the Legion. Not for long, though. Not for long. And that finally <clears throat> is this week and last week in Legion history. All right. Nice. Thank you very much, Michael. I think we've actually now caught up to the Legion's time. Um, <laughs> so now it's just a happy birthday to, to Infectious Labs. Mm -hmm. um, all right, folks, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Comments, as always, are welcome at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble so we can go all the way back to when we were going to finish this episode. And we will see you all next week. Pour one out for Deborah Winger. <laughs> <laughs>